I'm just going to attack America today. You just make up things like you drive on the wrong side of the road. You Fuck you, asshole. Like... We drive on the right. <laughs> you do this every time, Duncan. You come, you come on the show. You come on the show and you attack our country to get us all riled up before we actually start the show. So we have this antagonistic back and forth. This is it's what I love to do. Fucking stop. To be honest, it's only you that I do it with. I don't do it with any other pop. Well, maybe both. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, steely, truly and pioristic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing, to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to our very special Memorial Day episode of Cinema PsyOps, where we tell the tale of a patriot of America known as Bradley Thomas and the things that he has sacrificed. Joining me in the studio, sacrificing nothing but my goddamn time, is Matt. (laughs) Wasting time like he always does, talking trash and basically wasting our wonderful guest time. Our wonderful guest, that motherfucker was trash in America constantly. Well, it is our Memorial Day episode, and so we need to have balance and Bring to the force. Duncan, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing really well. Memorial Day, is this like another like fake holiday that you Americans have? Like Arbor Day, where you like you celebrate trees for some reason as if you need a holiday to celebrate things that give you oxygen. All right, right, real quick, real quick. Arbor Day is kind of bullshit. No one actually celebrates it. Nobody really does. does. I don't even know what day it is. And we're like the Arbor Day (laughs) home in this town. So Yeah, apparently we are. Yeah. We like fucking started it and I still don't know what the fuck it is. But uh, like Memorial Day though, that's that's like where we like you know remembrance of the people who gave their lives fighting for this country. Now, yeah. One, now one bullshit holiday is Labor Day. Like what the fuck? Don't get me wrong. I'll take the free Monday off. I always thought Labor Day was like to celebrate people who are giving birth on that day. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That would make more sense than what it actually is. Yeah, I don't care what the holiday is. They could be like bald headed white dudes with big ass beards need to die holiday. <laughs> if I get that Monday yeah. off, I'm fucking Pain. taking it. If I get that yeah. Monday off. Paid, yeah, yeah, I'll fucking I'll celebrate it. <laughs> See, the way that it works here, Duncan, is we get fuck all for what you call holidays and what we call vacation time. It, we get two weeks if we're lucky, and then the longer you serve in your fucking job or whatever the fuck you do, then you get an extra week, maybe, where you'll get three weeks. Whereas you guys get holidays just handed out to you left and right for vacation time. You can go do whatever. Yeah. Every little I get about six weeks. Six yeah. weeks holiday I get over yeah. here. Yeah, no, you... That's not including public holidays, but I don't get many public holidays. Oh my god, this, this sounds so awesome. Right? fucking weeks. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Duncan. 
Get, you know what? Fuck you. you. You're right. America sucks. Yeah. Fuck this country. <laughs> you are not wrong, <laughs> sir. He has a point. Just, Duncan showed me the light. America is a bunch of cunts. We really are. Only two fucking weeks to six weeks. Yeah. Motherfucker. They have something very close to democratic socialism over there, as close I, as they're going to get. I had to work five years at my current job just to get three weeks of vacation. Yeah, I'm going to have to hit seven where I'm at. Yeah. Or I have to do an external promotion and go somewhere else. Uh, uh, like, holy fuck. Fuck yeah. you, Duncan. Six fuck weeks, you. dude. Six weeks. <laughs> don't don't show me the, realize, gold, the gold egg laying goose would be this and easy. take it away. <laughs> you didn't realize it would be this easy to upset us? Yeah, no, I didn't, re- yeah, I didn't realize it would be this easy to win you over to my plate. So... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start that as my opening line in every podcast with Americans. Now I get six weeks vacation. We're two fat guys. We Uh, love vacation. When my wife and I went to Disneyland, we actually were talking with a couple that were. It wasn't London, but it was somewhere in Britain. I can't remember the exact city. And we were heading back to the hotel for the night because the park had closed down. And when we told them, I was like, "Yeah, I get like maybe two weeks vacation. That's it." They were shocked because she's like, "Jesus, at my worst job, I got four, maybe five. And I'm like, "What the hell?" They know how to do it over there, man. Apparently, Jesus. So. Yeah, yeah I almost had um, I, I, like when I when I joined my current job, uh, we, they were in the uh, process of transition in terms and conditions, um, and as a result of that, I think I lost about a week's worth of leave. So I, I was on seven, and then it got chopped down to six. But I did get a, like a pay increase to offset that because they're like, oh, "We know we're being unfair by doing this, so here have more money." And I was like, "Cool." Now, <laughs> real quick, there you get six weeks, but we get automatic machine guns that are so I mean <laughs> they're not automatic they're semi-automatic but we still get them and we can have as many as we want yeah and we're issued them like at birth like yeah. you you come out of the womb and you get baby's you first get mag- machine gun you get a magnum 37 right out of the womb <laughs> that's yeah, not a thing all I need to do is get a library card and I'll get a gun so uh no you need a little bit more than a library card you yeah. need to look oh. shifty eyed back and forth and be a little crazy but if you come here you can shoot guns you no gotta, one cares you gotta really complain about your workplace and then you get a gun. <laughs> you have to complain about your workplace and or anyone who's not a member of your race or, or, and they yeah. issue you guns. Yeah, then they give you guns. Like, if you have a problem with like church, you get a gun like right away. Right? Especially if it's a church of a different race, then you really get you get all the guns. <laughs> Every time I talk about how much I hate Christianity and or Catholicism, a gun just appears in my house. Yeah, I don't know how it happens. Weird. <laughs> with, a, with a little note to directions to the closest Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is real easy to find. <laughs> Like right across the street. <laughs> we don't have enough time to do I all know. this. We're going to have to spend the entire time that we have with Duncan talking about this amazing movie, Brawl and Cell Block 99, can, can man. Can I start with one thing? Yeah. I, well, number one, just from the title alone, you kind of know you're in for a violent movie, of course. Yeah. But I knew exactly how violent when my, when my DVD played, it played a trailer for Bone Tomahawk. And yeah. even <laughs> I have heard of Bone Tomahawk. So yeah. I went, oh, so it's the same guys who did Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a next level violent movie. Well, I have Bone Tomahawk in the yeah. stack, so we need yeah. to do that one right away. I know, even yeah. I know about that yeah. one. All right, so this was kind of Duncan's pick. Kind of I forced it on him because I'm like, Duncan, you, you will gush <laughs> over this movie as much as I will. So we have to do Cell Block 99, man. It was just, mm-hmm. I mean, you really didn't have a choice. I was like, yes, you can have this other Jello movie that's in the stack that you want to do. But first, let's talk Brawl in Cell Block 99. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is totally fair. I mean, to be honest, Craig uh, Zahler, to me, is I, I, I genuinely, he's one of the few directors in the last, like, two or three years where I'm like, just give just give this guy any project he wants. Like, Bone Tomahawk completely won me over. It was my favourite horror movie of that year that it came out, because I just thought, this is like, this is like, if tar- this is as close as we're going to get to a Tarantino-esque director doing horror, you know, like, doing straight out horror. Um, and then when Brawling Cell Block 99 was announced, and all the image artwork and all the rest come out, I was like, alright, he's just doing pure exploitation in this movie. I can't wait. His next movie, uh, called Dragged Across Concrete, yeah. which is like a, a violent cop thriller, I'm like, this guy is just tickling all my sweet spots. This movie, like, I've not had a chance to speak about this movie on any show, yet it was my favourite movie of last year. So just because it's not a horror movie, I couldn't talk about it anywhere. So yeah, if ever I was going to talk about it anywhere, I would talk about it with you guys, because I love you guys, and this is me trying to make up for the fact that I kind of demeaned your country earlier on. Hey, you get fucking five weeks of vacation, yeah, six weeks we of say? vacation. What can we say? I mean, yeah. you win. Don't change me. Yeah. yeah. We have all the guns. Yeah. Just remember that. I'm emigrating to oh, Scotland, God. and I'm using my guns that I will sell to be able yeah, to get yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Court, did yeah. you hear they're going to make a new switch for guns that will make them not even semi-automatic, but one shooter only? What the fuck? I got to buy them all now before they get that here. Cha-ching, cha-ching, <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. While I go out shopping for guns here, we're going to take a little break. We're going to play a promo for Duncan's amazing podcast. We'll have a little bit of music, and when we come back, we will have the trailer from Brawl and Cell Block 99. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see you will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Music is just amazing in this it's, film. It's so amazing for as violent as this movie is. <laughs> the music is so fucking mellow and awesome. I mean, I, well, the movie's awesome too. Yeah. But it, not to spoil it for everyone, the movie's fucking great. But <laughs> I already said we're gonna gush on yeah, it. I know, right? You have, <laughs> you have no choice. You have to gush whether yeah, you, you liked it or to, not. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, I don't care if you didn't like this movie. You will fucking gush about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the music, to me, when, when you're listening to it, it's just almost like it's setting you up. It's lulling you into a false hope that ah, 
maybe this won't be so horrifically violent. But no. no, it's horrifically violent. Well, the thing that I think the music does beautifully is it invokes the era of film that they're trying to emulate. Yeah, and exactly. I, and I think it very successfully emulate because what they're doing is they're giving you that sort of R&B, uh, bluesy kind of theme music that if you listen to the lyrics, somewhat tells the story of what's going on in the film without mm-hmm. actually telling the story of what's going on in the film. Very much like uh, like in Black Caesar or uh, any of the other kind of black exploitation film. This is a 70s style crime drama with serious exploitative violent elements to mm-hmm. it. And they purposely emulate it down to the effects. They're going as much as they possibly can with that. And I can't just I, I can't just stop gushing no. about it. I can't do it. I mean, I mean <laughs> we're really heavily making out with this movie right yeah. now. And while we pause to make out with this movie, why don't we play the trailer? All right. <laughs> Every once in a while, I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle's just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principal. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right and wrong? And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. It's a dangerous line of work. Oh, oh. Don't tell me my business. I do things direct, and I have a system. Won't last forever. Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear, and prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. I'm spent. I don't know if I have enough energy to do the rest of the movie, guys. I just, even that fucking trailer, just like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even get to see the violence in the audio for it. So there we go. And you know what? We're done. Mm-hmm. That was enough of a review. <laughs> Bye, Duncan. See you. We're out. Yeah, thanks, Duncan. Thanks for taking out, you know, 12 minutes of your time to talk yeah. with us here. It's real, we really appreciate it's it. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. I, like, I mean, I, I can go again if you want. What is that like? <laughs> I just need a sandwich first. Yeah. I need those electrolytes. All right. So Bradley loses his job as a tow truck driver at a very lackluster auto body shop. It looks like they do more than just auto body work, but it looks, I don't know, maybe it's just an all around automotive shop. We don't really get a lot of time there. All we really see is that he is seething with rage constantly, even when he goes to talk to the boss, because he has no time for anything where he's like, you want to talk to me? There's no point in me squeezing into an office. I'll just, just tell me right here in front of everybody. my whole life outside. Why we'll go into an office now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the way that Vince Vaughn plays this, it looks like he's just barely containing blowing up on people at all times. Yeah. The way he's standing, the way that he breathes, uh-huh. the look on his face. The whole time you have this, like, there's, like, the, a, a rage that is just, like, right at the boiling point, like, almost coming over. It's how I used to see my father as a child. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is what my dad looked like to me had, all to, the time as a child. He had to raise you. <laughs> I was actually a good kid. All the bad stuff I did, I never got caught for. <laughs> Ever. Smart man, smart man. I think that his anger, and especially the mask that he puts over top of it, is very evident whenever he breaks the key in the lock when he's trying to open up his locker. Like that padlock, he goes to open it, and he turns it so hard, he actually snaps the key off in the lock without actually opening up the lock. And then you see him sigh, and then he just stands there for a moment. And me having my own anger issues, I know what that stance is. I know. I will destroy everything. If just like, (laughs) want to headbutt that fucking locker into submission. He's going to punch that padlock until his hand is gone. 
Like exactly. that kind of anger. Yeah. It's there, but instead he just goes, where are them bolt cutters at? <laughs> and you just yeah. know where he, you just know where he's like, he's just like a fucking thread, uh-huh. like one thread that's going to break and then oh. it's over with. He's going yeah. postal on it's everything. It's like a piece of string holding a 10 ton weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but luckily it's Superman's hair yeah, because yeah. Bradley's really in control uh, uh, with yeah, himself. Yeah, it's Superman hair strand, so it's <laughs> yeah. all right. All right, so the, the loss of the job is weighing heavy on his mind and you even see the music that you ordinarily would be listening to that soothes him. He pulls that right out of the fucking tape player, throws it in the back of the car, and then he looks over at two thugs that are what looks like a drug stash car. Yeah, well, it's a souped up car, too. Yeah. and I'm assuming it's a drug stash car because just of the way that it's all fancy and stuff. Like, well, it's because what yeah. your drug stash car used to look like. So, I mean, you know. Dude, yeah. Oh, sorry. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the guys in the next lane, I mean, it's assuming a lot, but you can kind of tell that the reason the car is fancy and the reason that they got the money is because they've been doing it the shady way. And I think it's right there when Bradley decides, I've had enough of this. And it's adding insult to injury because people doing things the bad way, if you will, are taking the, the easy choice of dealing drugs or or crime or whatever it is, they're getting all the good stuff while he's working his ass off and getting shit. Yeah. And I think the yeah. I think the linchpin on all of this is he gets home and pulls off to the side of the street. He looks down and sees that his trash can has been spilt all over the front lawn is just sitting there. Uh. He sighs out very heavy and is extremely angry. <laughs> and then he looks up and sees his wife sitting in her car. Looks like she's talking very passionately in her car on a phone to somebody. And then she's doing something where it looks like she's trying to put cover-up makeup on her neck. I kind of went back and double-checked. You can actually see she's trying to put something yeah. to cover up her neck. Yep. And then he gets out of the car because he looks very suspicious at this, as you well, should. Yes, right. And then he kind of charges on over to her car, and then he pulls the hair back and takes a look, and he finds what is obviously a fresh love bite or yeah, hickey, hickey or whatever you want to call it. I like love bite. Yeah. It looks like teeth marks. I wasn't going to yeah. call it a love bite because uh, it yeah. looks like somebody's been chewing on her neck. I know, man. <laughs> Jennifer Carpenter, you the, naughty girl, you. What are you, what are you fucking naughty. Dr. Acula? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, she was. <laughs> he demands her cell phone, which she doesn't want to give, and the menace on his face and the fear that Jennifer Carpenter plays oh. as his wife, where she knows that he won't hurt her, but she is terrified of but, what he will do. Yeah, but she's yeah. probably seen him do some fucking harsh shit. Yeah, so. yeah. So, and, so it's like, give me the fucking phone. Yeah, and then when she doesn't, he hits the top of the car when she tries to talk yeah. to him, and he hits the car so hard, the whole thing shakes. Oh my God, just from, awesome. Just from one slap across the top of the car, and it's just like, holy fuck, this man is dangerous. Fucking, fucking Vince Vaughn ain't fucking around right now. I know. The guy from fucking Swingers that's yeah. annoying as shit is yeah. menacing as hell in this movie. I mean, do you think he'd be as menacing if he said baby every other word? Yeah. yeah. The way he's right. looking yeah. there, he yeah, probably right. would. I let him crash a wedding. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I remember I remember when the casting came out for this movie and they're like, yeah, Vince Vaughn's the, the lead role. And I remember like just reading all these comments of people going, the, the Swingers guy? Oh, <laughs> bad idea and I was like well no no stick with him because he was he played a he played a um, kind of mafioso boss in the second season of True Detective which I think is a really good one even though most people don't uh, I thought it was excellent and that's a very serious role and I'm like like comedians can play serious roles like in fact if anything they're, they're more in tune to playing serious roles in that they have a better understanding just like things like human nature and timing in particular plus Vince Vaughn is a fucking giant yeah. he's a huge yeah, man he's a huge Huge dude. 6'5", six five, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, 6'5", six, six right? So you put that in there to begin with. It doesn't look like he's been doing much in the way of working out for the role, if you know what I mean, but it has this <laughs> massive frame. And that can be very, very funny and, you know, putting kind of slapstick comedy but routines it, it, to the big funny, stumbly guys funny. But at the same time, 
you take away the smile and you put just that and that kind of menace on him, that instantly there's that trigger here between kind of bumbling buffoon well, and also, you know vicious killing machines. <laughs> well, it, it, it also it's Vaughn because of his size because it's that like all comedians because like Owen Wilson couldn't play this role. No, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine fucking Owen Wilson trying well, to do a fucking cell block ninety nine? It depends upon where your comedy comes from. Yeah, like yes. if your comedy comes from a place of pain, uh-huh. then you can actually play it like a lot more like what Vince Vaughn it's is doing. Probably why Robin Williams did so well yeah. playing both funny yes. and then very messed up characters. I think that Brian yeah. Posehn, if he tried, could actually go from being goofy to being Posehn quite menacing. Be, Posehn could be yeah. a yeah. great serial killer fucking yeah. freak yeah. dude in a yeah. horror movie, yeah. And even Patton Oswalt, yeah. even though he's a tiny little man, he could be a menacing, creepy serial well, killer too because of the way that he has that timing and the where his comedy comes even from. Even in those Batman shorts yeah. uh, that, that are like old comedy, yeah. he plays a pretty good penguin. You know, yeah. and it's it, at the very beginning, even though it's going to be funny later on, at the very beginning, he's killing a cop with an ice pick and it, it seemed like, like really creepy <laughs> like in a fucking ice room and he's yeah. like, you know, it's like, wow. But like an Owen Wilson or say no. a Ben Stiller, they could not pull this off no. because they don't have that. Their comedy comes from a place of being goofy more than uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Although Owen Wilson clearly has his own pain that he didn't deal with and we won't get into that, but... No, yeah, right. There's just <laughs> yeah, certain... Yeah, let's not do that one. Yeah, yeah there's God just... Almighty, we're not doing that show. Yeah, there's just certain people where you know, like, Rodney Dangerfield's a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Yeah. In Natural Born mm-hmm. Killers as the creepy, molesty dad... Oh my God, he was great. He's horrifying Yeah, and he, he, he yeah. so well done. Yeah, and I can't look at that movie and it taints my love of Rodney Dangerfield every time he's on screen. Like, that's more traumatic to me than anything else in the movie. I just YouTube anytime he's on Carson and that wipes it clean. Oh, fair enough. All right. <laughs> So after noticing the mark on her neck and grabbing the cell phone by ripping the purse from her hands, she finally just confesses to, and I wrote this in my notes, must have been angry, uh, being a cheating bitch. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> you, you have some anger going on. You okay? Yeah, I identified cheating with Bradley bitch. a little too much. You need, you need to talk? No, I'm good. Yeah, you're good? I'm good. I'll just smash a car later and you we'll wanna... be good. Bradley then pulls an abusive move demanding that she get into the house, which she doesn't do at first. She tries to talk to him, and then he hits the top of the car, again, shaking the fuck out of it. And then she immediately walks off. She does this, and then he proceeds to essentially demolish the car with Kills his car. bare fucking hands. Yeah, he's like that bonus level that you get in Street Fighter, where you just have to beat the shit out of a car. Yeah, except he does it for real, and Zala actually said that there are several parts removed from this car, and obviously the, gra- the glass and things have been made safe. But for the most part, Vince Vaughn actually beats the shit out of a real car. It's been kitted out for, for stunt purposes. He wanted that to be there, and he wanted to prolong the camera on it, because this is not only to give you the first sense of the rage that this man has, you know, that he's, he's holding behind the surface. But this is, for all intents purposes, the setup to the entire movie is that this man is a very, very dangerous man. And on some level, when the rage takes over, he doesn't feel the pain or he handles pain in a way which we don't. Like, see if I accidentally stub my toe, I feel like the world is ending. You know, I feel like, the, you know, like, you know, like my, my soul has left my body. The, the world has got dark. <laughs> You're like, where, where he basically and very slowly and methodically dismantles a car with his two hands. That's a very clear choice to do that because if this guy can do this to a car, you don't disbelieve anything he does to a human being after this. No, So it's a very, very smart move. You know what I mean? The beauty of it, though, is he's very methodical where he's angry and he's looking at the window and he's, it's as if he's working out his rage first there. He's hitting the window sideways with his arm, trying to do it the smart way and 
then just gets full on pissed when it won't break that way and then just punches it several times, puts his fist through the window, looks at his knuckles, sees that they're bloody, but is like, you know what? Fuck it. Then uses that same fist, punches the goddamn mirror straight off the car in one move, then moves over, hits the top of the hood like twice, grabs it, rips the fucking hood off with his bare hands. That's amazing. I know they took parts out to make it easier for him to be able to do that, but the implication is, like Duncan said, if this man can do this shit to a car, holy fuck, what can he do to a human being? Oh, we're going to find out, but it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) After he's done dismantling the car, he goes in to talk to his wife, and that leads to our first clip. Should I go? I can clear out. Let's talk. Brother, let me put something on. Sit. How long? Three months. Serious? No. Why? Well, I don't know exactly. I'm, I was sad. We haven't been close since, you know. I know. I thought maybe you were doing the same thing. You were staying out late every night, coming to bed after I was asleep. No. I was working and working out and staying clear. I didn't know. Communication between us hasn't been much. Did you fall off the wagon? Almost. Did you? No. You want to end it with us? I don't know. I want things to be different than they've been. Our marriage, us, we've... Uh... It's like when I go into the mini mart at the gas station, get coffee. They got those three metal containers there. One's got cream, one's got milk, and the other's got that gray-looking skim stuff. Every time I go in, there are those labels for face to wear, and I have to guess which one's the real stuff, the cream. But every time, the first container I grab is always that milk or that skim stuff. It's never the one I want. The law of averages says one out of three times I, I ought to get the cream, but it doesn't happen. Maybe if I go in there a thousand times, it'll even out like it should, and I'll have a run of picking out the cream, you know, 50 or 100 times in a row, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think things even out fear like that. Look at us. I think we should start again. Try to have another baby. If we don't pick up where things went bad for us, a miscarriage, we're through. Yeah, I've thought about that too, but I only get called in the substitute once or twice a week. You just lost your job. Come on, call Gil. You're gonna be a drug dealer? No, I'm gonna drive packages for a friend. You said you would never work for Gil. So we're both breaking promises today. I want us in a better home than this shithole. And kids and happy and... I'm tired of getting the goddamn skin milk and hoping that luck brings us the cream because it won't, not ever. And this won't be forever, I promise. Will you abide? Give me some time before you get closer. The cap to that clip at the very end where she goes to move in to kind of embrace him and work out the issue and kind of get that tenderness between a couple again. <laughs> he's like, no, the no. look he gives her where he's like, you give me some time before you get close. Yeah. It's like where he's like, I ain't done destroying shit. I need you. <laughs> I need you to stay away for a little bit. Did you see the car? Look at the car. <laughs> the dialogue is amazing. Within the first five minutes of this movie, where he basically sets out why he's so angry and uh, he's tried towing the line. He's tried doing everything that society has told them to do he's tried doing the american thing you know what i mean you walk cards put your head down you behave yourself you work within the law and all the rest and you will be rewarded and he has never been rewarded he's like he's a character who is angry in that by following as many of the rules as he can now and um, he should have got something out of this and what he's got is a shitty job which to be honest he doesn't want with a boss that's not very good which he's been fired from um a house which you know is modest but is not lavish um uh, and a wife who's grown like distant from and apart from as well and he never had the family he never had everything he should have had he didn't get the American dream as a result of that the rage just sits just behind the mask of kind of contentment that it has to put on to be what society wants him to be like yeah. the dialogue in this movie just across the board is amazing but like Vince Vaughn's delivery as well he's not 
really stretching. Like he's, he's like he's not going for an Academy Award here. You know what I mean? He's got a very monosyllabic delivery of lines, but you just get the feeling of this guy is on the soul of society being trodden on <laughs> all the way through it, and nothing's working. And it's such a simple thing as well. And we've all been there that you go into a cafe and you go to the bit where you know you would get something for your your coffee or your tea, and you can never like most of the time you can never see the labels, and you always get the wrong thing first, but you've already committed to it. So you're never fully happy. Imagine that happening to you every single day that you do something. And some that's how bad things are for him as a character, that he can summarise how bad life is or how unfair life is down to the fact that he never gets cream when he wants it for his coffee. He gets grey skimmed milk. He does it so calmly is what's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, that seething yeah. rage is still there, but yeah. it's like he would never yell at his wife. There's something that uh, I can speak for myself here. I don't have, obviously, the kind of rage issues that Bradley does. <laughs> Well, where he I, kicks the shit out of a car, you bitch on a podcast. So it's kind of the same. Yeah, not really, but... Um... <laughs> When I start getting angry and I'm dealing with someone that I actually care about and I'm getting like to where something bad could happen with that kind of rage, mm-hmm. I get more quiet, I get more reserved, yeah. and I actually start talking lower and lower until I'm basically almost whispering and I've seen me do it. Is that I, why you mumble when you talk to me all the time? Kind of. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like if my wife and I are starting to argue, if it's starting to get to me, I purposely withdraw and you kind of contain it and start packing it in and you yeah. get quiet like that. So when he's talking to to her and he's talking very calmly and very directly about everything that he's feeling that rage is still there like he is out of his mind angry but he's directing it inward and he's just basically swallowing those feelings and that's why he's so quiet and why he's so reserved and you yeah. don't see that until she moves to go close to him and the thought of her touching him angers him so much that he's like you better not get close yeah and that's mm-hmm. it's so played so wonderfully by Vince Vaughn no he's not going to win any awards for this but it's almost as if the man knows what it's like to have right. that kind of rage. It's Who almost an award yeah. when you won our love. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got it, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. I'll forgive you the psycho movie t- that you I, did I, just I, uh, because of this. Right? And I <laughs> totally understand what you guys are talking about, about that rage. Uh, like, when my wife and I argue, I uh, will usually start crying and I soil myself. So it's like the same thing. It's yeah. Like the same thing. <laughs> yes. We're all saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah, kind of. After they go through this whole entire routine that they're talking, they cut away from that and we see a little placard that says, 18 months later, right. Bradley is on on his way to dropping off large quantities of drugs and he stops to talk to what I'm assuming is a prostitute in oh, this yeah. derelict building she mm-hmm. basically offers whatever he wants for a little taste of drugs she'll make his nuts smiles what she said yeah, I think she did <laughs> say that yeah. I remember that pretty fucking clearly because I was like I've never heard anyone say that before and his response to that is so brilliant where he goes then they would show their braces yeah, or something like that see the braces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious and so we get to see that even though he is now a drug mule more or less where he's hauling these packages around he actually has a moralistic standard where he's like no I'm not going to get to dip into drugs just to get some you know weird social diseases from you prostitute right that's not what I'm going to do hey there is nothing weird about those social diseases (laughs) they are pretty standard social diseases Everybody's got them, Matt. <laughs> oh, God. You know, you know who says everyone's got them? Someone who's about to give you them. <laughs> he makes it finally into the actual drug house, which is set up like a goddamn fucking pawn shop. It really is. They got the bulletproof glass. They got the drawer that you can do that's the dealings in- through. Ingenuity, man. That's America right yeah, there. That's Fuck beautiful. You, that's America. <laughs> yeah, so what if we don't get a lot of vacation? We got drug houses that look like pawn shops. We know how to drug mule. Really good. <laughs> 
Oh, say can. <laughs> I brought here to my, I was like, goddamn freedom. <laughs> USA, USA. We then see that Bradley has one hell of a sweet charger after he makes the deal and gets the cash. And he goes and parks this off in the middle of nowhere, ends up putting some camo on it and hides it out. And he also removes the license plate. So as far as drug muling goes, Bradley's pretty smart. He's yeah. got a car that pretty much can't be traced to him. He's good at drug muling. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's not a really good normal citizen, but he's one hell of a criminal. And really responsible about it. Yeah. He's not hurting anybody. So far. <laughs> Except for drug users, but I mean, they made a choice. Technically, drug he's, users he's are got, hurting themselves. Well, but he's supplying it. It's like, he's got a code. It's like giving he's a, got a code. You know, he's like, he, 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 he said it to his wife. He's got a plan. We're, we're going to do things. We're going to do it as much as possible to a point where I don't have to do it anymore. And that means playing within the system, being very, very safe, being cautious about things, not bringing underworld's attention on you. And yeah, you'll be able to get through this this period of time doing these things and retire on the other end and live the good life. I mean, what's wrong with that? That's the kind of plan that everybody has when they get into this life of crime. And the next thing you know, you're in cell block 99. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a plan people not even go into a life of crime. That's a plan people have going just to a life of business. Yeah. I would submit to you that a life of business is more or less a life of crime. It's a really, really clever move in in the movie. It's what he's done is he's taken the same ethic that he had doing the day job that he had before and all he's done is translated that into something less than legal. So he's doing exactly the same thing. He's committing his time. He's doing just as much as he needs to and no more. He's, you know, he's, he's punching the clock, doing the jobs that he has to do and going home to his wife. So he's, he's basically following exactly the same moralistic code, so to speak, that he had in the working within the confines of the system, which he wasn't rewarded with anything except misery. And he's taken it to the, the criminal world with the same level of discipline and code and look what he's got now. He's got a beautiful house, as we're about to see. Um, <laughs> and things things are on the upswing, ladies and gents. Things might work out well for our, our hero here. I guess what we're trying to say is run smack, people. It's going to be great for you. <laughs> Actually, he runs a little crystal, yeah. some coke, and some smack. They, yeah. they handle the three main really money makers. Yeah. All right, so domestic life, as we had mentioned earlier, is definitely blissful now for Bradley. He's got this amazing house because he runs drugs. The missus is definitely carrying, and he refuses <laughs> to let her be on her feet. Apparently, there could be complications, and the fact that she's standing in the kitchen is too much, so Bradley swoops her up all gentlemanly-like and carries her down the hall, and I'm assuming up the stairs and to the bedroom. He only stops for a moment to check out the baby's room, and then they decide what they're going to do with the curtains. Then he carries her into the bedroom, sets her on the bed, and from the looks of things, they're a very happy couple, and they're about to get down. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That baby better move over and make room for Vince Vaughn. It is is smiling nuts. He's about to womb raid that shit. (laughs) There's going to be a brawl in cell block pregnancy. (laughs) But this is all interrupted by a call from Gil, so Bradley has to go to Gil's huge fucking house to work on the latest drug scheme and what that's going to be. And that actually is going to lead to our next clip. Good evening. Nice to see you. Come in. Did your dad pick out that outfit? He did. You like it? Zesty. He's in the pool room. One with the pool, the one with the pool table. The table. He calls it the billiards room, but I don't know. It's just pool he plays in there. Thanks. Basa. Hey. In the fridge. Joe got you your mineral water. I didn't know H2O's got a sexual orientation. Where's this guy? Front room. How'd the transaction go? Never a problem with cuz. I like that. Or is it? Is it? 
with an A in the end when you're saying a nice. Don't think someone like you can say that word anyway polite. How's Laura? Good. When's she dumping out the kid? 98 days. You planning on staying in the delivery room? Of course. That's something I wouldn't give up for anything. Plug up your nose. And wear sunglasses so they don't know when you're shutting your eyes. I want to watch our baby girl draw her first breath. That's a moment. Oh, it's a moment, all right. That'll be Eliezer. That's the new source? Deal goes well. We'll be partnering with him. Got lines to Mexico and steady stream of good, cheap crystal. Just wanted to meet you before the pickup. Sounds like you brought amigos. Mexicans ain't comfortable being by themselves. You know how they grow up. Five to a bed. Good evening, my friend. How are you? This is Bradley. It's my top runner. Howdy. Nice to meet you. This is Pedro, one of the men who will accompany you during the pickup, and this is Roman, the other. I'm not doing a pickup with him. And for what reason? He looks like he's using. Roman's been clean for two years. I test my employees. He's extremely reliable, and he knows what to do in adverse situations. Sorry. Words from a stranger don't trump instinct. Bradley, give us a moment. Let me talk to you. I need you to go along. Protect my interests. Our interests. At least our squares by the guy. It ain't like you haven't had your problems. That's 14 years done. The bottle ain't the same thing as junk. Yeah, don't kid yourself with that bullshit. You look at my brother and your old man. Who's in bad decision? At least 10,000 more. And then last one. Guy is juiced. I'm not junk. Bradley, not... don't make me give you an ultimatum. It sounds like you just gave me one. I can't give this to Oscar, Tony, Randolph. No one elbows guys like that. Shipment this big. I need you. You help me set up this partnership. I'll give you two months off when your little baby's born. Three. Done. We're good. I'll go. If something comes up. I got the reins. They shall mind you. Roman, look at me. If I say dump the package, what do you do? Dump. And they cut from that clip to Bradley is excited to feel his baby move later that night in bed. It's like it wakes him up. Like he's got his arms wrapped around his wife and the baby moves and it wakes him up. And then he starts feeling around so he can feel it even more. And he's super excited. I've never seen a man be more happy to be a father in my life than what Bradley is. I mean, because yeah. typically the rest of us didn't plan on it and it was kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> Kill Duncan over there. All right, so he's super excited. He's even counting down the days. I think it was like 98, and then he says 97. And it continues in the movie as each day passes by or as we get further and further along in the time frame. Bradley's still counting the days until the baby's born. So he is very excited to be a father. They cut from that to Bradley goes to pick up the package, whatever it's going to be, whatever type of drugs they're bringing in. I think they actually say that they're getting cheap crystal and I think they might be getting coke and something else. There's like three bags, so yeah. I'm assuming it's one of each. Uh -huh. A little heroin, a little yeah. coke, and a little crystal. Yeah. And apparently this, par wet. Yeah, this partnership is supposed to be so that they can actually get the cheapest crystal and make the most money. And obviously Bradley getting the offer of getting three months off when his baby's born is something that's just too tempting. Everybody keeps dangling yeah. this little sweet treat in front of Bradley, like your life will get a little better if you just do this one thing. Parrot on the stick, my man. Yeah, and unfortunately when he goes for that, it just keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alright, so he's working with the two guys who very clearly are, let's just say, racist towards white people. Yes. They don't oh, like Bradley no. at all. No. That's, no, they're racist to people with a southern accent. <laughs> and that could be that could be a cultural thing, you know, actually, ingrained in there. Actually, it's something. even more specific than that. They're racist against people who have crucifixes tattooed on their bald heads. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's yeah. a In fairness, their opening meeting didn't go great. Uh, well, because one of the guys are being a user, so. Yeah. There's a reason, like, Bradley's got everything worked out and he plays it safe and he knows what he's doing and he's very organized and these people are less organized and that gives him concern because everything's kind of going great with Bradley just now and the last thing he needs to do is babysit two people that are maybe using, maybe, you know, trigger happy and will not listen to his commands. They know Bradley 
knows if they do it his way, they'll listen to the you know the word of Bradley, everything will turn out perfect. Um, unfortunately, uh, the other guys don't see it that way, including one man that has, I've taken a note here, the deepest Mexican accent I've ever, well, ever heard. Deepest Mexican voice. Hello. He sounds like Barry White if Barry White was Mexican. He sounds like Barry White with a slight Mexican accent that's been pitch shifted down another octave. Yeah, so deep. It is kind of obvious, too, that, I mean, Bradley's boss, Gil, who is his friend, he's racist, he's homophobic, he's a little misogynistic, and he's just as much terrified of birth as I am. <laughs> just the way he describes about plug up your nose and put on sunglasses so yeah. they don't see you close your eyes. Yes. Yeah. So Gil is definitely, I mean, and when they're, coming, my kind of guy. when they're coming down the stairs, he even makes that reference about how Mexicans are, you know, the way that they're raised or something like that, which was Well, he just, drops an Ed bomb pretty hardcore. Yeah, well, I, I'm cutting that out, but, uh, yeah, yeah. like, there's a lot of, like, racial slur stuff that he packs into just them coming down the stairs, and you wonder if they actually overheard him yeah, right? as he's doing that, but they're doing the deal because yeah. of the money. So, I mean, these guys are obviously not wanting to work together. This partnership is not a good idea. It's because money. Because Bradley is careful, and Gil is not. You get the idea yeah. that if Gil were to run things without Bradley, it would be significantly worse. Well, no, because Gil's been running things without Bradley. Bradley went back to Gil, so... Bradley never actually worked for Gil. He said he would never do that, even yeah. though Gil is his friend. Uh, I'm wondering if the... Yeah. I mean, because they talk about the AA thing well, and the drinking and all that, so... Well, you wonder, job, it was, and... was, he, was he the friend or was he the dealer? Because both Vince, Vince Vaughn's character and Jennifer Gardner's character, uh, Jennifer Carpenter, sorry, uh, both their characters were, you know, have said in the past have been users. Although Bradley was drink, she was drugs. Um, do we know for so sure that wonder, she was drugs? I thought it, I thought that's how she knows him. I might be wrong about that, but I thought I thought that was like his his one specifically alcohol because he says that later yeah. on. But like Gil has the like see when we're talking about the good life, you know the good life. Um, that's Gil. That's everything. Like you imagine if you're someone like Bradley or as a friend like Gil who has a house like Gil has. Gil doesn't need to worry about being PC. He doesn't need to worry about anything. He's rich, you know, and everything can't really be tied back to him because that's why he employs people it's a line later on in the movie but you know like he employs people to do all this dirty shit for him he just gets wealthy so he doesn't care you know if he doesn't care about how careful Bradley's going to be he doesn't care if this guy that's coming down the stairs is employing two guys that are kind of sleazy and might not be trustworthy he doesn't have to deal with that all he's concerned about is his drugs make it his way to him he doesn't care about logistics and that's the fault in the partnership is Bradley's all about the logistics Bradley's all about working out how to do things smart and clean and get out and Gil doesn't see that Gil sees you know an employee who's been a bit mouthy uh, and all he wants is his money all he wants is his drugs to make his money um, and you know Bradley can see the writing on the wall and takes apprehensively like you see because that carrot is dangled in front of him like every the, the whole movie is a carrot being that if you just do this Bradley this is what will happen if you just if you just do what you're told things will work out well um, and as a result like he very reluctantly takes this this job which to be honest with you up until a certain point is running on schedule and perfect like when they're listening to what he says everything is going great it just so happens that there is a cutoff point to that the guy who is strung out also is extremely jumpy he gets spooked by a noise and he goes for a gun then bradley basically tells him by pulling rank that he needs to put his hands in his back pockets he ends up patting them down make sure he gets them all then he takes his guns tosses them into the water and i can't tell if they're in a lake or if it's an ocean i think somebody just brings it into just out to just outside of the outskirts of like international waters kind of thing where it's not uh -huh. in the bounds of the Coast Guard and that's where they go to pick it up. That's what I got the inclination yeah. was what it was. And mm -hmm. so that burly strung out dude that ends up talking with that amazingly deep voice, he gets all tough guy and starts talking about he's going to do 
something to Bradley because he's not going to put up with this shit. He feels emasculated because the man took away his weapon. <laughs> and that pisses him off. But his little buddy's like, no, it's okay. We're going to, we got to do this. We got to get the package. If you fuck this up, it's on you. It's not on him. So they go out. They pick up the package through the water. They do a little dive thing. They pull it out of the trunk. They cut a fucking raft open that's helping it stay up. They pull the bags out. Then they dump the truck over the side. They even make a joke about Keep America Beautiful or something like that. Yeah. Because they've just littered. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where's the Indian crying? Um, <laughs> cell block 12. Oh. <laughs> When they get back in and they start bringing the packages back, they're heading up the docks and Bradley gets an immediate bad feeling where he knows something's up because it's almost Mm -hmm. gone way too smooth. And as he had said earlier, and we heard it in the clip, when I say dump the package, what do you do? And the guy says, dump. Well, (laughs) Bradley tells them to dump the package. Not only do they refuse, they pull a fucking gun on him. They give him a little bit of a beating, which they're holding him at gunpoint so he can't fight back. Yeah, bitches. Yeah, motherfuckers. And then Bradley's left there with one of the bags that he dumped out when the other two guys decide to go and guess what everybody Bradley was right the fucking cops show up and we get an, ins- an insane motherfucking shootout starts up now this is the point where Bradley does something incredibly stupid as far as I'm concerned Bradley's standing there he turns around he goes to walk away which is the smart thing to do yes he can get away yeah. clean he can hop in the boat he can go somewhere else call Gail and tell him what happened none of this is his fault he cannot be blamed for what these two guys did because they didn't listen to him yeah and they got themselves busted but because these guys are killing cops who are basically innocent people, apparently, to Bradley. Although I don't know how that logic works. God They're damn. doing their job. They, they were Bradley. They were Bradley before Bradley turned to life of crime. Okay, the guys enough. that are punching in, clocking and doing no, no, their don't, job. Don't defend cops to court. Yeah. You won't have it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> between shooting unarmed black kids, they're out trying to bust criminals. I like the way you've given these police officers an entire backstory here, but the, the way they're portrayed in the movie court is that they're stopping and drug runners bringing drugs into the country to sell to kids. <laughs> little kids. Parents Fair. who they will later shoot yeah, if they're because, wearing hoodies. And are unarmed and black. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I see your point, Duncan. They're, right. they're defending <laughs> the kids from drugs so that they can therefore shoot an innocent Listen, kid. If drugs are killing yes. these kids, they can't. <laughs> exactly, Matt. <laughs> they're, up, they're upholding the law here. I've been doing this and... show too long. I'm joining it <laughs> on court with the cop jokes. It's good. <laughs> but there's, there's a double thing here because I think on some part there is this idea of, you know, Bradley being like a patriot, so to speak, um, you know, and kind of having this this morality, this weird morality that seems to, to kind of cut down the middle of the character, kind of, you know, he's like, he's always bordering this line of of doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing to do the right thing um, as he sees it, you know, his perception of it. But there's another thing in here as well that you need to remember. So yeah, he is going to go up there and kind of quote unquote defend the cops. The second thing is though, these two guys attacked him they you know deliberately have put a situation where you know from his point of view he might not get well, this sounds so trivial but he might not get this three months off now this is a botched job that regardless it's gonna whether these guys have done it or not he's gonna take some of the blame anyway and all the rest and the rage takes over as soon as they walk off just before the gun shoot he turns around and walks like fucking Robocop to follow them so he's going <laughs> that way regardless you know what I mean yeah. the rage is taking over um, and it's this rage that had where when he gets angry in this movie and he's not dealing with his wife logic be damned 
<laughs> so there's, 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 you know, there's two, there's two sides to, to, to what he is doing. There is part of them that is, like, I'm going to defend these cops, which isn't his first thing to do. It isn't his first, re- his first reaction is revenge. It's when he sees the cops getting pinned down by, by these drug dealers. That's when the, right, I'm going to protect the cop thing kicks in. That's not his first inclination. It's not his first instinct. His first instinct is revenge. Um, and that's, that's what kind of takes over. It just so happens that his revenge leads him to a way that might look like he is upholding the law by, you know, killing the drug dealers that he helped smuggle drugs in with. But, you know, it is there. Uh, it's, the, it's the weird duality of this character, the, the, the kind of, this kind of juxtaposition of trying to do the right thing and clearly doing the wrong thing, um, which runs parallel throughout the movie. And I think it's, yeah, he ultimately does end up saving at least one cop, I think. But, you well, know, he, he is first and foremost going to hunt down this guy that punched the fuck out of him and smacked him with a gun. I didn't actually look at it that way, but you're absolutely right. I think when he does get involved, he's like, you guys have gone too far now. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he's going to kill them for fucking it all up. It has nothing to do with the cops. They're just incidentally yeah. there. That's a really great yeah. way to look at it. <laughs> I think that's how I see it. So. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I like that point of view because then it makes it to where he's not defending cops. He's just getting revenge on people that fucked up his job. <laughs> you cost me three like months off, you that. motherfuckers. <laughs> that sounds more like the Bradley I know and love in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Bradley does end up killing one of the thugs. He ends up shooting him in the back and then he falls down and then the cops end up finishing him off and then Bradley almost gets shot by an automatic weapon by the big dude and then he ends up running off and jumps into the water. That strung out dude that's uh, shooting everything, he's throwing grenades around as well and then he throws a grenade at Bradley. He even ends up calling him Blanco the whole time and he drops the grenade into the water where Bradley's supposed to be. Bradley starts to swim away then the grenade goes off. Then he climbs up on this fucking barnacle-covered pier. The way that he's doing that, the way that they have it go to where he's holding onto it, it's slick, it's slimy, it's got mm-hmm. barnacles on it. He can't get traction, and yet you just see him kind of dig in, use his rage, and then he, somehow he gets on top of that. Yeah. And I think that's where his hands get ripped up, too. Yeah. Is trying to climb yeah. up on the barnacles. They're cutting up his hand. He finally gets up on top of the actual pier, leans over, and starts pulling shrapnel out of his goddamn foot. Oof. There's one piece he can't get that's in the middle of his foot, which obviously went through the boot and into his foot. The other parts were mm-hmm. just in his shoe, so he pulls out that shrapnel, gets up, pops off one shot, gets the guy in the neck and knocks him down, then charges in when the guy gets back up and then ends up hammering the fuck out of him with the pistol to knock him out. And then the cops basically arrest him from there and say, you know, put up your hands or whatever after he takes these two guys out, which he does. And that leads to his interrogation in our next clip. You want to burn it? You want to wipe your ass with it? You want to cut it up in little pieces and send them to Putin? I have one over my front door. So you're a patriot. Mind if I sit? I'm going to assume that's rhetorical. Would you rather I leave? I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear. And prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. What is it that you think I want to hear? Hmm? The names of your associates? People who profited from all your hard work while they wiped their dirty asses with that? You can pretend you don't care, but I saw that video. I saw how you took down those lowlifes when they went up against the police, even though you could have got away clean. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. I got two. Because of your selfless action, no police were killed in that event, which tells me that you know the difference between right and wrong and that you have a moral compass. So help us. Give us some names. Give me one important name. Who are you working for? I work alone. Who supplies your crystal? Some guy. Some guy got a name? I forgot. Would you remember if I showed you a list of names? Don't like to read. Won't even see a movie if it's got subtitles. Well, what would happen if I read them aloud? You wouldn't even have to say anything. Just nod your head up and down. I'll narrow it down for you. What's your name? Detective Lawrence Watkins. That wasn't it. You find this humorous? Your tricks are. Every once in a while, I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. Man principal. 
who had a run of bad luck and just went the wrong way. I'm not going to talk. I know that this is your first offense, but you're looking at four years, maybe five. Do you know that drug traffickers actually serve those sentences? I'm aware that the system is harder on guys that distribute drugs than it is on men who commit acts of violence against women and children. Do you think that's fair? You ever see a man with meth mouth? Hmm? You ever see the 14-year-old girl who's a I'm not going to argue with you, Larry. I'm not going to give you any info. I know what it did, and I know what the sentence is going to be. It's done. You have other options. I don't. Your wife told me that you were going to have a baby girl. You'll be in prison when she says her first word. And I guarantee you that word will not be daddy. I'm going to keep it in good taste. Yeah, it tasted pretty good. I gave him your change of clothes. Thanks. I've got some stuff I want to say. I don't want you at the hearing. I know how it's going to go, and there's no point for you turning up to watch it happen. I'm not contending the charges. I want to be there. I want to be supportive. Well, that won't be any good for anybody. Actually make things harder. There's no reason for you and the koala to uh, go through that experience, for me to watch you go through it. So please. Okay. It's going to be four years, maybe five, and I have to serve most of it, if not every damn day. Sorry. I will visit as much as I'm allowed, and I'll bring our girl. No, I don't want the first time for her to see me to be in prison. We'll come up something to tell her when she gets old enough to know something's wrong, and I'll give her the full truth when she's old enough to understand. Okay, I'll wait, no matter how long it is. I consider the defendant's plea of no low contender, and also the very serious nature of his crimes. I hereby sentence Bradley Daryl Thomas to be incarcerated for seven years at the Franklin R. James Medium Security Detention Center. This hearing has come to its lawful conclusion. In the interrogation room, there is kind of a thing where the main guy that's talking to him, the, the detective who's trying to get information out of him, does say that none of the cops died because of Bradley. They get shot, but some of them, I think, get hit in the vest. Some yeah. of them may take arm shots and things like that, but none of the cops were killed, and they're thanking Bradley for that. Uh -huh. And they're also trying to get him to talk because they're like, look, we can help you get a reduced sentence, but you got to give us something. He's not going to rat out Gil. He's no. got to get a job going on. But when Gil's his friend, here. too. He, is he, though? Yeah. Or, yeah. or he is. Does he, he really is. like Gil? Or? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. Well, we see later on that Gil actually does deliver, so yeah. I'm going to say yes, Gil Gil's really is a, his Gil's friend. Gil's a pretty solid dude for a, a drug kingpin. Yeah, but he's not going to talk about who Leazar is. He's no. not going to mention that he's guy no or rat. anything like that. And that's one of the things that he's like, well, who, where'd you get the crystal from then? Or where'd you get the drugs from then? And he goes... I grew it. No, no. He actually is like... <laughs> Some guy. What was his name? I don't remember. He's like, well, what if I said some names of people? Would you be able to shake your head yes or no or something like that? The guy's trying anything to see if he can get him past him. He's like, I love the line where he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. And prison will give me more than enough time to look at guys that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> will you please leave the room? It's, <laughs> just leave me be. That's just amazing. They should just like start. Just like, Have you ever been in a coffee shop and you reach for the cream and it's gray milk? <laughs> Bradley would just be like, yes, man after yes, one heart. Really? Yeah, Fuck yeah. All right, brother, here's everything. <laughs> everything you need to know about these people is right here. I'm going to lay it all out for you. Just make sure I don't go anywhere near cell block 99 and I want my wife put into protection. Yeah, please. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Movie over. <laughs> yeah, he, he ends up getting sentenced and he gets not four, not five, but seven years. Half a baker's dozen right there. Seven years. Oof. And you can see the disappointment on his face where he knows that he's being made an example of because he wouldn't talk. Yeah. You know, you know that's what's going on there in the but trial. I mean, he was a drug mule as well. That's seven years seems about right. Well, yeah. I mean, they make you serve every bit of it too. Yeah, yeah that's the way that it goes. All right, so Bad Luck is definitely well, following and Bradley. Unfortunately, for the black guy right after Bradley who was caught with an ounce of weed, he got 25 to life. So <laughs> that's America. Yeah. It's almost as if you're saying that our justice system is set up to incarcerate African-Americans? No, I would never say anything.
anything like Ooh. that at all. And he's I'm shaking also... his head yes while he's doing this, by the way, people. <laughs> he, gets, he gets sentenced, though, to uh, it's like a, a medium security facility. So not one of the bad ones. One of the ones where he can go build chairs or some shit like that, make license plates. Um, but, you know, it's, he's not going to be surrounded by mass murderers. There's, gonna, there's no Pol Pot in Yet. there, you know what I mean? Uh, or anything like that. It's going to be a reasonably comfortable time. I think that the reason that he actually gets the sentencing that he gets is a thank you for saving the lives of all the cops. Like, he's still going to get the worst because he wouldn't cooperate. But it's like, okay, we'll put you in medium security because you at least did this. And I mean, the all the drugs they caught. found him with, he could have gotten a lot more years than that. But the fact that he kind of... He didn't have any drugs on him. It's the fact that he interfered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't even know if he got charged with the drug running or if he got charged with shooting the two guys. I bet he got the drug running. Well, they probably Ricoed him in or something uh. like that. All right, so they cut away from that sentencing to the long bus ride to jail as Bradley is belittled and put into his place, quote unquote, and processed yeah. by super power hungry fucking asshole guards. The main guy that's behind the thing when he slams the door to the, yeah. the little drawer thing when he slams that and the guy jumps and because he was intimidated, he's like, you will go to the back of the line. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that just made me I was like everything that Bradley's doing where he's putting up with their shit you can see him just eating shit here and being like I will kill all of you no no don't want more sentence no, no, gotta no. settle down <laughs> settle down gonna do what they say I'll murder this prison and you really get especially the guy that's like doing the inventory of their clothes and the ring and everything he really wants to show the world just how powerful he is by lording it over these men and I get it prison guards have to show these guys that they're in charge they have to do that kind of thing but that particular guy sure seemed like he was being more of an asshole than he needed to be for guys that are coming in yeah especially if that's all he does if that's all he does is process people coming in it's a thankless job he goes home probably has no actual power in his life other than this so he fucking exploits it <laughs> he pays a hooker like a ridiculous amount of money to put on a leather mask and beat her yeah that's what he has to <laughs> yeah. do yeah or him i don't want to i don't yeah, want to i don't want to assume what he's into don't assume his gender <laughs> it's not gender preference <laughs> nice how you pulled that out of your ass there way to go all right, so they even take some time to grade him while he's naked on the size of his dick. I think they give him an A minus. Wow. Yeah, which That's not I was bad. that. Well done, Vince Vaughn. Well done, Vince Vaughn. I mean, he's six five. I assume tall people all have large ones. Yeah, but <laughs> even still, like the last thing you want is a prison guard checking out your junk and telling you how they think you match up. Oh, I, I, that's exactly that's, that's what, what I want. Don't tell me what I want. Exactly. My life. <laughs> me, me, me and Matt. That's all we want yeah, is validation of our junk size by prison officers. Of course. There is, a reason, there is a reason that, like, in some parts of the world, they are called penal institutions. Um, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well done. He ends up meeting the trustee and gets the lowdown on how this prison works. This guy's been in prison forever, and medium security is pretty much the best that he can hope for. He even gets an idea of what life in medium security is going to be like. They go through the various cliches and how the stuff is explored. You're going to have to get used to it. It's going to get real lonely here at night and blah, blah, blah. And when Bradley's like, I'm going to skip dinner, he's like, you know, about 2, 3 in the morning, you're going to regret that choice so why don't you take this candy bar yeah you know like the guy's actually really nice and you can kind of see where like the time that bradley's gonna do here as long as he doesn't make waves he's gonna do just fine this is gonna be the most boring movie ever man yeah you think that off the, <laughs> off the start <laughs> the guy that gives him his orientation is basically like craig zala's version of uh, morgan freeman's character from shawshank redemption and you know the frame like, crawled through the miles first time of i shit saw and the frame come in here do your thing keep your head down like trust me you think you're you know you think you're being a you know, like this hard guy making a statement by not having something to eat 
but you will regret it. You know, just do these things and get through it. You know, once again, do what society wants you to do. Punch your clock, do your time, get out, and everything will be fine. You know, and to be honest with you, out with these smart-ass remarks that you get from him uh, in here, that is essentially what he's going to do. He's going he's gonna to toe the line. He's going to be a safe guy. Everything's going to be fine, even though he has to deal with a prison guard who... Even say that this guy's a dick, but I don't actually think he's a dick. He's just very forceful about something. He's like, you clearly have anger issues, large Vince Vaughn man. You look like you could do some boxing. Why not do some boxing? Let, let's do let's be, let's do some boxing. Have you ever boxed before? You want to throw some fists? And like Vince Vaughn, once again, it's that rage that just lies behind the surfaces like that. That's not a good idea. No, I don't want to do it. <laughs> now, I don't want to be. I don't want to be part of things. Well, you can build chairs if you want. And he's like, well, building chairs doesn't hurt anyone. You know, I'm not going to hurt anyone by it. It's like, yeah, but come on, let's do some boxing. You get the feeling that this prison guard is just like, this guy would be really good. He, you know, it's a good way for him to work at his rage issues. This is, you know, and I'm, I'm extending the olive branch to him here, right? I'm doing it in a way which is not as graceful as you would like. But once again, I'm a prison guard and this guy's committed a crime and he's in here. So I'm going to extend this out here. And Vince Vaughn sarcastically, and I would say slightly aggressively, whacks it back in his face and says, no, shut it. Um, I don't <laughs> want to be interested so he gets a rundown of the rules and the rules are you know you will uh, when I like open the, the, the doors at whatever time you will commit if you don't commit everyone's going to be held up and that's going to cause them to resent you and all these things are laid out for him so the, the nice formalities are gone I don't think this guard's a bad guy in fact if anything he's one of the first guards I've met where I'm like actually this is this ward that I'm going to be in this cell area that I'm going to be in here at least is going to be patrolled by a semi-decent upstanding interested sort of guard that's not a bad thing surely i think the reason that he was so adamant about it is that he actually coaches the boxing program and i'm sure that there's some kind of like i don't know like royalty mystique thing that's laid on top of the guys that are doing the boxing they might even have an like a competition between prisons where the best boxers so if he can get a guy like bradley who very clearly knows how to handle himself and can demolish a human being like a i don't know like a car and street fighter too (laughs) um if if he can get this guy into his program, he's being nice to him, but at the same time, he's extremely pushy where he's like, you got to be in the boxing program. I need you because then you're going to give us that edge that we need to beat, you know, Folsom or whatever the fuck hey, they're competing against. Uh, you look like the type of guy who who duke in a car. Could you maybe get to the <laughs> boxing program here? Yeah, yeah. it's like the it's like the 70s homage grindhouse exploitation version of Mean Machine. <laughs> and it's like that. Instead of football, we're going to do boxing. That would be a completely different movie if Vince Vaughn had just said yes. The other way that I look at it, too, is I'm thinking, okay, so there's a boxing program in this medium security facility. What if the brawl is actually the things that the prison guards set up where they force these guys to fight and they have have no choice and it goes down in a cell block 99 in the medium security? Like, you're constantly going, what's going to happen? Where are we going? When do we get to see our titular place that this brawl is going to take place in? Will someone please say the title of the movie in the movie? At some point. (laughs) But you're right, again, by this point, I mean, this, uh, this movie, is about two hours, ten minutes long. Yeah. Um, and at this point in the movie, we are about an hour and ten minutes in. So there's been a whole lot of setup to this, which Craig's all likes doing. Bone Tomahawk's very deliberately paced as well. You get a lot of time with your characters, and as a result, you get invested with them, which is how you're supposed to tell a story, Hollywood. You're sizably into this movie by the point that this happened. And yeah, it could very well conceivably be, all right, he's going to get roped into boxing in a team, and you know, it's going to get out of control. That's what's going 
going to happen. But then you remember you're watching an exploitation movie and that's not really exploitive enough, which sets up kind of what happens next. So we actually see him go into his cell. He starts beating the hell out of the walls. He punches the window. He even punches the fucking metal mirror and does nothing. And then when he realizes that no matter how much he hits this cell, he's stuck in there, finally calms down, drops onto the bed and just lays down and goes to sleep. And they cut from that to the lineup is called Dead of Night. Bradley's foot is coated in blood because he's not being taken care of very well. He can't wake up in time. He's just out cold. And this is where the guard decides he's going to dominate him and gets a little bit of an asshole move on Bradley because Bradley wouldn't join the boxing crew and he wants to kind of show him what's up. Bradley is still a goddamn smartass about everything, making quips, Mm -hmm. throwing it in his face because he knows he can take the guard and the guard kind of knows he can take the guard, which is why he wants him in the boxing program. Yes. (laughs) And then later that night, he does end up eating that fucking candy bar that the trustee gave him, proving that Bradley doesn't know everything that he thinks he does. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. They cut from that to the missus hears some kind of a noise going on, and it sounds as though someone is breaking into their home. She runs to the bedroom door, locks it, throws up all over the floor because, well, she's fucking pregnant, and that's going to happen when she gets up too fast. She grabs a gun and then decides that she is going to take them down, and she's going to throw down here. She's aiming at the bedroom window there, and then she moves back and forth between the door. Someone breaks the window, and then she pops off some bullets out the window. Then the door creaks or something happens on that side. She puts it through through the door. Then she is immediately tranquilized with a dart gun. She gets hit not once, but twice before going out and passing out. I'm sure that's healthy for the baby. I don't think the people that are taking her give shits about what's healthy for the baby. How do you know? I watched the rest of the film. (laughs) Fair. That's fair. It's a valid fair point. The following morning, Bradley wakes up, states the number of days that are left, and I think it's like at 87 or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. Until his child will be born, and then thanks the trustee for the candy bar when he meets with him. He meets with his caseworker, and that leads to our next clip. I'm Denise Potter. Not sure you won't shake my hand. Next time, you are Bradley Thomas? Wish I would. Please, sit. Thanks, ma'am. How was your first night in the fridge? Lacking in some departments, but I heard this place isn't a reward. Did you sleep? Some. Did you eat? Left it gave me a candy bar. Normally, we'd go over your file and discuss your assignments, but I received a call 20 minutes ago that is a priority. From who? Dr. Pellman. Dr. Pellman's your wife's obstetrician. He said there were some complications in the pregnancy and wanted to discuss the matter with you in person. Is, uh, is it serious? He did not go over details with me. He's coming here? Correct. We've scheduled an appointment at uh, 10 o'clock. Where's Lauren? uh, The hospital? I don't know. We'll finish the orientation tomorrow. Have some breakfast and return to your cell. An officer will come and get you as soon as Dr. Pellman signs in to the outer gate. Have there been difficulties? With our first one, but not this time around. I appreciate you letting me know. Hope everything goes well. You must be pretty popular. Get to visit on your second day. Maybe they came to interview you. See a boxing legend? Walk through slowly. Sending in Bradley Thomas. Copy. The guest is at window 10. Have fun. It's that one. Who are you? Sit down, Mr. Thomas. Where's Dr. Pillman? Sit down. Pick up the phone. Remain calm. If you call any attention to us, I will leave, and you will regret my departure for the rest of your life. Not that you understand. My employer sent his regard. You work for Eliezer. Why are you here? Your betrayal cost my employer $3.2 million. I'm here to settle that matter. There is an abortionist from Korea. He works for my employer. He claims
dreams that he can clip the limbs of a fetus, yet leave the child in such a condition that it will live to be born. This little operation will only happen if you don't pay your debt to my employer. How? There is a prisoner whom my employer wants dead. He is serving a life sentence at the Red Lift Detention Center. I'm in the fridge for seven years. How in the hell am I supposed to choke out some guy over in Red Leaf? Red Leaf is maximum security. Show the stuff here that you have to be transferred. If I nail this guy, Eliezer will let my wife go unharmed. Yeah. Can you give me some sort of guarantee? Certainly. If you don't do what my employer wants you to do, I guarantee you will receive a package with nothing less than two limbs of your unborn child. Sadly, I cannot guarantee if your child will survive or what the fate of your wife will be. Who's this guy I'm supposed to get? Christopher Bridge. And he is in Red Leaf, cell block 99. That's fucked up. The limb clipping thing? Yeah. That's a pretty good motivator. Uh, right? Well, yeah, if you're going to have anyone deliver that line, you bring in Udo here. Which, like, when he, like, once again, did not... And it's in the credits at the start, it clearly says Udo Kier. First time I watched this movie, I had obviously forgotten that or had been <laughs> oblivious. Because when I'm, like, he sits down and he looks at, at what he thinks is going to be the Doctor, and I'm like that. Oh, they've got... The Doctor's played by Udo Kier? That, that's not right. No, Udo, <laughs> Udo usually, you're like... And then, like, Udo starts speaking to him and I'm like that. Oh, yeah, that, yeah you're totally... You're totally playing your typecast, Udo Kier. Tell us all about it. Uh, yes, you want to see your child. You know, that's my really bad Udo Kier. Hello. Um, if you or, or want to see your child again or you want your wife to live you will do exactly what I say otherwise as, as, I will be creepy and rapey at everything I say at you while I look my eyes back and forth before my mouth moves it will make you very uncomfortable Vince Vaughn or and, really turned on and I will be very sleazy and greasy and you can't tell if you want to fuck me or be raped by me because oh. it is your choice Vince Vaughn put your hands together it does It does. He's what do you call it um, the, the great David Anders Jr. from the Bower of the Pod podcast used to have a great line from, from Adokia, which is, the blood of these whores is killing me, which is like literally the, the vampire movie that he was in, um, <laughs> which sums up every time I see Adokia, that's what I think, the blood of the whores are killing him. Um, and he's he's he's, on, <laughs> he's, on, he's, he's here, delivering like, the, once again, so, this really cold matter of fact delivery of, listen, you owe my employer, by the way, is that guy that you stiffed over, and he's not happy, not happy at all, and as a result, you now owe us a couple of million, which me know you can't pay behind the bar just now. However, there is something you can do for us and all you simply have to do is get yourself transferred, like simply by the way, do it, is get yourself transferred <laughs> to maximum security prison. Red I'll leaf. leave the logistics up to you Bradley of how you're going to do that, but maximum security prison. I need to track down there's one particular inmate who's in cell block 99 and you're like, ah! ah right, so that's how they got right. the title. I just, yeah, oh, it would have been better if that creepy voice would have been like, we just need you to brawl in cell block 99. That's not ah, that Kind of he movie. said it. He said that's that the trailer. Movie. That's all you need. That's all you need. If you would have done that, yeah, that would have made the movie perfect. <laughs> the movie's like, perfect as is. Oh, stop yes. it. Yeah. So, oh. Uh, all, the, all, all, all this needs to happen because if it doesn't, they have his wife. And not only do they have his wife, but they've employed one of the best kind of gynecological surgeons in it's the world. Abortionist, dude. <laughs> he's a, he's yeah, a gynecological yeah. terrorist because yeah. he's so good at snipping off limbs and leaving the rest of the baby intact. Yeah. He's on his way back to the cell after he's been told that it's his problem to get himself to maximum security and transferred to Red Leaf, which he's in minimum security. The only way to do that is, of course, to act out and be violent and be a problem to where he needs to be on maximum security. So he's mm -hmm. on his way back to the cell. The guard actually apologizes, the one that we were talking about earlier, for 
busting his balls and being an asshole. And then you can see that the guy actually is a decent dude, or at least was attempting to be a decent dude. And then you see the whole time the guy's talking to him in the stairwell that Bradley is weighing the choice before him that he has to make. He just sits there. He's just standing there and uh, you just see it on his face. He's like, oh, fuck, I got to hurt this guy. Who's, who's kind of trying to be a bro right now. Yeah. And he's like, why do I want? I don't want to do this to him, but I have no other choice. He is the guard in my cell block. What the hell? I might as well. So they get back to the block and then Bradley unloads on the guard. He fucking takes off his shoe as if it's hurting him and the guy gets a little too close. Then Bradley smacks him in the face with the shoe and then it looks like he grabs the shoe to try and choke him with it or something like that. He, p- he puts, it in, it puts it in his mouth, I think, to stop him crying out. Oh, um, yeah. Which which is like, which doesn't really work. I, I love this as well because there is a there's a bit of uh, synchronicity between this scene and later on in the movie to do with like when Bradley takes off his shoe, shit goes down. Yeah. Like, literally, like, yeah. bad things are going to happen to people. Yeah. Um, that's, his, that's, you know, that's his calling card. Uh, but yeah, so he puts, it, he puts it in his mouth. Now, remember when we said earlier on, remember when we joked like, if that's what he does to a car, imagine what he'd do to a human. This is when you see what he would do to a human. Um, and this is the first proper, proper brawl that we see about a minute, and uh, about an hour and 20 into the movie. Um, and he fucking dismantles this guy. What a fucking the, fight what, scene. What oh, a fucking fucking beats the shit out of him it's brutal it's absolutely and what I love is the sound the sound like the the punches are obviously sound effects but you feel the impact of every single one and specifically the way it's choreographed as well all the fight scenes are choreographed in this movie in a way where everyone's just a little bit slow and I kind of like that because I'm sick of seeing movies where everyone's Jackie Chan you know what I mean like everyone is Steven Seagal in a movie like regardless what your background is or fucking throwing people about the place I think on some level as well it nods back to the style of movie that it's aiming for if you look at 70s exploitation movies yes there was a bit of a martial art bump in there because Bruce Lee was around at the time but most of the time if it was someone fighting fist to fist it was like a very slow kind of pace where every punch was like a <laughs> sort of punch sort of thing that you would get and that's what you get here and Bradley is not scared to take a beating at all like he gets a, like the, the guy's like nightstick thing whacked off him a couple of times and you get that hard sound where you're watching it you wince and he just kind of brushes it off and then continues on with the dismantling of what turns out to be a fairly decent guy. It's, it, it's, a, it's something that weighs heavy on my heart, guys, because I watched this and I'm like, he's a nice guy, but yet I want to see Bradley inflict some pain. <laughs> this is the only real beating that Bradley delivers that I feel like the people probably didn't deserve it was the guards and minimum yeah. security, but it's something yeah. that he has to do. The arm break that he finally does on the guard, oh, it's fucking, oh. it makes me wince every goddamn time. I feel it. The sound design, the effects, the way it's shot is so well done. You nailed it perfectly. The choreography in the fight in this, you absolutely have it, Duncan. It is a 1970s crime thriller where you have stuntmen who are big and bulky and may not be able to move so well throwing these punches for the people and it has that very serious feeling and for me, this particular fight between him and the guard feels the most realistic out of all of them because that's what fights look like. People fuck up. They miss their shots. They're getting hit but they're too angry to give a fuck. Yeah, it's and that they, Kung they, Fu where they hit a perfectly timed crane kick. Yes. Yeah, and that it's all blocks, blocks, blocks yeah. until finally someone gets a good a good hit in. Yeah. That's not how it works. It's usually two dumb asses slugging it out, taking fist of cuffs to the face yeah, back and, and forth. Yeah, really real. Yeah. Like, really 
real. And then when yeah, they well, cap it with the it, arm break, it's that much worse because you're like, holy fuck, did he just actually break that guy's arm? The guard himself, though, like when he tries to hit him first with the, the, the nightstick and it gets knocked away and he then gets battered like, a couple of times, he's still basically saying to him, you know, you can stand down, right? We, we don't have to do this because you can see the fear in his eye. And then there's a bit. It's a great it's a great bit where you see the desperation in the guard's face. He grabs the nightstick. He's like, oh, I'm going to fuck you up now. You know what I mean? He's like this kind of panicked, frightened, but, you know, there's nowhere to go. I have to do something and I'm going to do it now. And if I was, like, giving you the benefit of the doubt or if I was in the back of my head thinking, you know, you obviously got some really bad news, which I think still weighing on the guards. It's, it's so well acted that he, he is a bit reserved and much to, like, much to his uh, foolery in this situation, you don't fuck around with a guy like Vince Vaughn when Vince Vaughn's decided he's going to take you down. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is that, there is that panic in his face when he grabs that nightstick last time, which is not the best thing to do because that, I think, when it hits him once or twice, I think that's what seals the arm break. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so well put together. It's so well constructed. It's a brilliant scene. It has impact. You feel everything. You wince like fuck at this because there's no way not to wince at what looks like how an arm would snap um, and the bone comes through and all the rest. And that's when backup shows up and Vince Vaughn ain't stopping here. He's just going to start prodding these guys with guns and it takes a fucking serious set of balls to, to mouth off to them like that, you know, like scream like your guard scream. All the rest is just, it's fucking amazing. Watching this movie, everything up to this point has been really, really cool. And at this point, I was like, oh, we're, we're going to get something special here, which we do for the remainder. <laughs> the thing that I really love too is when they ask the guy who has a broken arm if he wants to get justice, meaning do you want to beat the fuck out of this guy while we hold him down with guns? And Bradley responds, he's going to have to do it with his left arm. <laughs> just like... <laughs> He's really trying to goad the guards where he's like, you got to punish me. You got to get me out of here. We, we got to do this. So I'm just going to take it to the he extreme. Says something like your buddy's lying there like a little bitch right now or bitching or moaning like yeah. with a curled up ball on the floor. And yeah. it's just like, God damn, Bradley, you have no chill right now. Well, they get him handcuffed and they get him taken down the stairs. And then Bradley takes the opportunity to fight with three of the guards and he kicks their ass while handcuffed. And my favorite part of that was when the guy pulls the gun on him that had the gun. Bradley grabs the gun, gets it out out of his hands yeah. immediately when the other guard's looking at him he tosses the gun away so that he's not yeah. holding the gun and they don't have a reason to kill him because uh, he needs to get to maximum security yeah. throws the gun down and then starts beating the guy even more oh. he kicks one of the dudes in the nuts they mace him and then tase him oh. and then while he's unconscious they have to tase him to put him down permanent like or, or to have him out yeah, and then while double for that kind of action when <laughs> I'm in Vegas. and once he's tased and out then he's unconscious one of the guards asks the other one if he would like to get justice which he does and it looks like he's grinding his foot on the back of his head around the tattoo, like burns or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It just looks painful. Well, he's he's basically doing some kind of damage. And I thought he was going to like step on his head and then grind his face and his head into the ground, like where he's going to break his nose or something like that. But no, he's just basically doing the foul burns across yeah. the back of his head. And it's really coincidental and really kind of interesting how he does it all around the tattoo to kind of accent it. And it ends up forming the circle around the cross to where it's yeah. almost like the saintly look looking scarification around the, the cross. Yeah. Very neat. <laughs> I like the way they did that. And now Bradley is on his way to Redleaf and enter Don Johnson into the film in our oh, next yes. clip. Yes, sir. What's your name? Sean Waterford. And the name of your prisoner is? Bradley Thomas. I should have received the paperwork earlier. Don't tell me my business. I do things direct and I have a system. Sorry. This a fellow that likes to beat up officers? Yes. How many of your boys did he take down? Two are in the hospital. The third sustained minor injuries. He whipped three of you? 
and tried, but... Mr. Thomas, look at me. The Red Leaf Detention Center is classified as a maximum security facility. But there's a, another term I prefer. One that I think will give you a clearer picture. Minimum freedom. If you make trouble, your minimum freedom will get smaller. So small that it becomes microscopic. Do you understand? I do. Put a sir on it. I do, sir. Dump that out. The men here aren't like those over there. Bridge, you can test us if you want to. Prisoners are expensive, and we're only too happy to help the state balance its budget by employing some cheap labor. Unlock Mr. Thomas so that he can change into his neon. Bad news, Mr. Thomas. Our examination room is under renovation, so you're going to have to strip out here. Wilson, give Mr. Thomas a full cavity inspection. How about my things? My ring? I'll look for him tomorrow, if I can find the time. This is the transfer from the fridge. Oh. Bradley Thomas. Cell block 12, cell photo fault. You mean 56. That's what I meant, read it wrong. It's 56. Take him over. It's up here on your right. The toilet doesn't work, but that doesn't seem to stop people from using it. Hold here. Walk in or get dragged in, your choice. Put your hands through, behave yourself. For two weeks, you'll get another cell. If you go wild like you did in the fridge, stay in here for years. Where's Tub? <laughs> the reason that he's a prison warden now and so angry and full of hate, Tubbs was killed. Oh. And this is what he has left now. <laughs> Horrific. That, yeah. I love this. Like, there's, There is a, a serious renaissance that's been going on with Don Johnson since, I want to say, I can't remember which one's first. I can't remember if it's Django that came first or if it was uh, Cold in July. But since then, the guy's been on a tear of these really great characters pieces these small character roles it has in these movies um, and once again another name that I'd overlooked in this one so I've got Udo Kier I'm, I'm still riding that Udo Kier high and a red leaf and then Don Johnson comes out like a badass cowboy with a militia party of guards behind him all branching shotguns and I'm like that this, oh yeah of course of course this is the next level imagine this has been like a computer game right computer <laughs> game level one was the, minim, you know, the minimum security prison then like the next level up and the next big bad is Don Johnson who for the most part is everyone's straight with him in this movie which I kind of like like no one's misleading at all with Bradley as a character they all pretty much tell him exactly what's going to happen if he doesn't toe the line um, the way that um, Don Johnson refers to Redleaf as well that great line that you've heard where he basically says you know this is it's the difference between maxim, maximum security uh, and minimum freedom um, and if you keep pressing things that minimum freedom becomes microsco microscopic and until it gets to the point where it no longer exists. Yeah. So you might have got away with all that shit like in the previous place, but don't fucking test us here because this is this is a completely different world that you're walking into. And right from the off, there is this kind of once again, like it was before, where they were rating his body. In the case of this one, they make him change outside. Yeah. Um they take his stuff off him, not in the manner that it was taken in the previous place. Uh, it's kind of all just dumped. Um and even to the point that Don Johnson's character makes sure that he doesn't get the nice cell that he's supposed to go straight away and not if anything he's going to this other cell which contains like, I, I can't smell I don't have smell vision right Yeah. so I can't smell what this room does but Vince Vaughn conveys so well how disgusting the fucking toilet is in this room that I dry heave when I watch it <laughs> you know what I mean I, I feel I feel this man's nasal pain well Ugh. the prison is super old and you get the feeling that none of the cells are in that great a shape but they yeah. purposely are giving him a cell that has been in disuse when they say like 55 or something like that instead of 44 I can't remember
remember right now what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're in cell or uh, cell like forty something. He goes, yeah. I think you mean fifty six. He goes, Yeah, yeah. 56. I, I read that wrong. I read, I read that wrong, boss. I'm sorry. Wrong. But the whole entire setup and what they're doing here is they're trying to actually put Bradley in his place and let him know that that shit doesn't fly here. And I think he said it perfectly when he's like, "Prisoners are expensive, and we're more than happy to help the state balance its budget with some very cheap lead." Where yeah. he's literally saying, "Just give me a fucking excuse. I want to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I want to kill you. We want to kill you." Not to mention, he gives him a cavity exam outside on the front before taking off his yep. clothes yeah. that he's currently wearing. The uh, guy, like you don't really see what's going on, but and they take forever pulling uh, on that glove too. Yeah. Like where he's like, "This guy's really into his job." And did he even tell him to try to relax? I mean, that is a common courtesy. You tell someone <laughs> before you finger their assholes. Tell them to kind of relax. Clip. Clip. <laughs> All right. So Bradley ends up using the camisole t-shirt that he has to help cover up his face. That is a wife beater for those of you that like to refer to them as that. Good God almighty. Yeah. The fucking late 90s were fucking horrible because that's what I'm pretty sure I heard that name for the first time. Yeah. He's unable to eat lunch because he's in a room that's so filled with shit. It is reeks so bad. He can't even do anything to not retch. And then they just write that up as he is refusing to eat lunch. Not that he just can't eat in there. Assholes. Yeah. He's finally taken to the yard after they force him to take off the shirt and put it on. And he can finally get, you know, about 60 minutes worth of fresh air is all he gets. Now, it, it, I want to say assholes too, but we also have to understand all they know about this guy is that he was a medium security prison and then just started beating the shit out of prison yeah. guards. Unprovoked. Yeah. Yeah. No no cause. They just, so the story they're getting is like, yeah, man, uh, I know you guys are a hardcore prison facility. He was a medium security and he beat the shit out of all prison guards. Yeah. Four, all these guys. prison guards might be a little bit angry because it's like, better not think about beating the shit out of me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm, four, I'm on Bradley's of, side. Four of their brethren have been dismantled yeah. by this huge fucking skinny man who... This huge fucking maybe, skinhead looking motherfucker with a cross <laughs> on the back of his fucking head. Yeah, maybe, maybe, like, like we're being a bit harsh here. Maybe we think, you know, like, for all we know, Don Johnson's idea is to keep him in this room for a week, to just kind of show him who's boss, and then he gets moved to a slightly better room, which maybe has a working toilet, and <laughs> like ev- everything will be fine there. All he has to do, once again, all he has to do is play within the rules. All he has to do is toe the line. But we know he can't because he has to find this one guy to fucking kill him, so he has to keep going, you know? Yeah. And that's where yeah. we are right now, where he gets taken out into the sunshine and gets to kind of see what's going on there. Bradley starts asking questions for one of the fellow inmates, basically trying to find out about Cell Block 99. He asks about this Christopher gentleman that he's supposed to go kill and then he asks about cell, 90, cell block 99 and the guy knows of it he knows that it exists he says that they put the worst of the worst in there the psychotics people on death row child rapists you know that kind of thing like basically people that they want to get rid of it's like a, a separate entity and the only way you can get in there is to be the worst of the worst prisoners in Redleaf, which means you have to be really really bad so Bradley mm-hmm. stands up and says that he's going to be going there because apparently he's going to be psychotic yes and he goes to pick a fight with a Latino prison gang not necessarily a good idea, Bradley, but sure, why not? <laughs> At this point, even if he survives all of the other things that he's going to do, he's made so many enemies in the prison system. Yeah. His seven years, if it's not even extended even further from assaulting oh, the guards. It's, it's gotta be. Yeah, it has to be. It's gonna get even worse for him. Yeah, but he has to do it, though, because he, he's put his wife in this situation yeah. and he has to get his wife and his child out of this situation, and that unfortunately means that he uh, is not the primary concern here, so whatever happens in his remaining time is the price he has to pay in order to make sure that one, his child's born and two, his wife's okay. What I love about the character of Bradley as well is that there is a bit of Vince Vaughn in him but the kind of piffy, snippy one-lines that come from 
minimum are Vince Vaughn, I think. They, they call him a gringo at first, and he's like that, you know, and I'm not like an outsider or whatever. And, well, you know, the last time I checked, the, the, the flag was red, white, and blue, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not red, white, and what, whatever colour he mentions there, which I believe is a Mexican colour. You know, he's like basically like he, he flings us right back at them, antagonise them as much as possible, getting their back up, but doing it because he's a smart ass, you know what I mean? That's what he does. He's a guy who's not only likes to let his fist run, but likes to let his mouth run. And, um, you know, he, he instigates a, a fight, which once again is just this great, like, uh, just another great sore-sounding fight where oh. his body take punishment. Where they're hitting him with the barbells, oh. when they hit him with the barbell stuff and they hit him across the back, two or three of them hit and it's an even more dull thudding cracking sound. Oh, yeah. it's the worst. And then you actually see him block a couple. My favorite part, though, is when he's fighting with the one guy and he elbows him in the face. And then after the guy goes down, he has to pick the dude's tooth <laughs> out of his elbow. Oh, <laughs> it's so brutal, dude. <laughs> this fight is amazing. He dismantles like what? Six guys, like no problem. Yep. There's one guy yep. left whenever the, the guards shoot off a gun. And then Bradley's basically going to let that guy be. He's fine. He's gotten what he needs. He wants to go to cell block 99. But then when that guy charges him, he just basically starts dismantling that guy too. And I think he, he kills that motherfucker, doesn't he? I believe so. Yeah, I, I think, think that's so. what gets him ultimately. I can't see anybody surviving it. But. Well, he bear hugs him and it sounds like he breaks his back. And the guy goes down yeah. and doesn't get up and doesn't make a noise from there. It sounds like he actually snapped his back with a bear hug. Yeah. That's why yeah, I think he I killed think, him. I think you're right. And the, the only reason he's done this is that the thing is the way he logically sets out his to get to A to B to C, his his, his movement to get him to sell uh, sell block 99 is pick a fight with these guys, the guards will come down, attack the guards, and that's what will get me, you know, this position where I will then get moved to, to sell block 99. And, but I need to do it that way. If I pick on these these inmates, they don't care. If the guards don't care about inmates, all they care about is order. If I hit the guards, though, then that's what's going to get me where I need to go. Um, and yeah, at this point, the, um, Don Johnson is having a zero of this. Um, he's like, does he not even use the light? I think he says, like, this is like, like it's either zero freedom or minimum freedom or whatever. Like, he comes back to that. And you were talking about how old this prison is. Like, this prison has a wing which basically looks like it could have been used in something like Zero Dark Thirty for the waterboarding scenes. There's a whole <laughs> torture wing in here which is underground. It makes you wonder if this is maybe like an old military outpost yeah. from back in the, you know, the yeah. kind of you know, the, the kind of Civil War era because that's what it feels like inside all these tunnels and all these things. And yeah, like Bradley's time in there, yeah, he's going to get what he wants, but to get to where he wants it means going through pain which I can't imagine. Bradley gets taken down there and Cell Block 99 is a place of violence, torment and degradation yeah it is clearly an ancient dungeon of some sort and it's like you said it does go back to possibly even before the civil war what this tunneling thing is it might have been a fort or something like that that they turned into a prison and it's described beautifully in our next clip i suspect that amnesty international would frown upon the contents of this room cell block 99 is the prison within the prison you'll stay down here until you sort it out or carried out Stand him up. For the next month, you'll wear this. Turn it on. Each time you misbehave, you earn five points. Each point gets you one of these. You currently have 25 points. These shall be dispensed to you over the coming week. When you are eating, when you are sleeping, when you are pissing, and when you are shitting. Mr. Thomas, you want to be mindful of the broken glass. That was sexual. <laughs> <laughs> 
part that is the worst is when they fucking electrocute him and so he will fall onto the broken glass yeah. and then he has to fall backwards onto the bed and pull the shards of glass out of his own knees. The hell that this man goes through just to get where he needs to be. But you can actually see where he almost sighs a relief where he's like, okay, I'm in 99. I just have to find this Christopher guy. Yeah. That's yeah. all I need. Yeah. Is, is, like, Just yeah. kill this guy. Then my wife is safe and we'll be fine. You know, just keep yeah. towing that line, Bradley. Just do what you're told and you'll get there. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, nothing bad's going to happen now. I mean, we're here and all we need to make sure is that Chris is here. And um, we find it really quickly that um, Chris is not here. <laughs> this does not exist. Maybe Bradley's been played. They actually cut away from Bradley being passed out to his wife being photographed by Udo Kier and then inspected by this horrific abortionist guy who is just yeah. creepy. The minute he's on screen, you're no, like, give me the sexy side. Give me the sexy side. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I just realized it now. This whole movie is like the game Super Mario. Every time Bradley goes to play, sorry, Bradley, your Christopher is in another castle. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Your Christopher is in another <laughs> your, cell block. Your Christopher is in another cell block. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Thanks for rescuing me. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So Bradley's wife is told what will happen to her. He just basically describes it to her just to add that little extra torture. They cut away from this and Bradley wakes up and talks to one of the other inmates. He's looking for this Christopher Bridge and nope, Christopher Bridge is not here at all. Bradley is kind of shocked again with that shock belt that they put around him, which very clearly has electrodes into the kidneys. That's what they're there for to cause the most pain. Oh man, if anyone's ever had kidney pain before, it's it's like one of the worst pains like ever. (laughs) And they're just shocking them. They're just shocking them up as if they're nothing. And they keep on as well, which is the the worst bit. It's not just like a a quick zap for, you know, for to get get his attention. It gets kept on for like 30, 40, 40 seconds a minute. The shortest one was five seconds when they initially just showed him what it was like. You know what it looks like? It was five seconds. It looks a lot like there are actual belts that uh, people can put on men that stimulate the pain of childbirth. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it looks like. That they put one of those on him? Yeah, that's what it looks like. But I've seen somebody do that. It was on Impractical Jokers, and a guy had to wear one as a punishment. And one of the one of the cast members, and yeah, and he's just like, and he has to wear it to show how oh, childbirth's easy in front of a room full of pregnant women. And, and the yeah. doctor administers the shocks. And he's like, fuck, and he starts like punching shit, like <laughs> fucking hurts. And then he has to stand up, and go, but it's okay, it's okay. We'll just yeah, breathe. I, it's okay. My, my, I I saw the exact same video you're talking about, yeah, and it once again. Cute. Un- uh, once again, underlined that there's absolutely nothing that I won't masturbate to on the internet. <laughs> Okay. Yes. All right. Clip. (laughs) (laughs) So Christopher Bridge is not there. We see the shocking once again, and he gets taken into the hall to be electrocuted again. The guard who he broke his arm basically is trying to do this power hungry thing where he's like, look in my eyes. Don't you dare look away. And then when Bradley winks at him, so he shocks him again. And then Bradley, he gets him to stare. Then Bradley contains himself there. And he's then hauled to a large open room area where our drug lord Leazar is with his men. We get the story as to why Bradley was dragged here in our next clip. Your heroics cost me $3.2 million as well as my freedom for an undetermined period of time. And because of you, my sister is now a widow. Her husband was Pedro, whom you shot in the back. A wife girl. You and I can settle this, however. You know me, Blanco. A few hours ago, I received this photo. You might like it. Here, you're better off. Now listen to me very carefully. If you harm me, 
or any of my associates, the abortionist will sever the limbs from your little girl. It's a long, slow payback block. Bradley is knocked out and dragged back to his cell. He is woken to electrocution as food is brought to the men once again. Bradley eats and has a chat with the man across the hall from him. Do you guys get the feeling that the man across the hall is one of the dudes that's on death row? Yeah. And that's why he's there? Because yes. he says something yeah, about yeah. He, he. no one's coming for him and all the things that he's done, no one cares that he's there or something like yeah. that. Yeah. As Duncan had mentioned earlier, Bradley starts taking off his shoes so we know shit <laughs> is about to get down. Uh-huh. Yep, shit's about to get real. <laughs> he rips out the insoles of his shoes like a fucking genius and puts them in to insulate himself from the parts that will shock him on the shock belt by his kidneys. He puts them in place and then makes sure that he gets that separation. When asked by the guy across the way if his wife will wait for him, Bradley simply responds, she would have. Employing the past tense purposely because he's aware of what's about to happen. He knows what his ultimate fate is. That's insane the way that he does that. I love this part where Vince Vaughn delivers that line because he's sitting there you see him think then he kind of exhales very slightly and then he goes i believe she would have yep yeah and you're like holy shit he knows he's gonna die eyes are getting a little glazed over getting a little teary it's a it's a beautiful way how he did that yeah it's it's a wonderful performance from vaughn i mean he carries this film oh yeah he's so wonderful this one out of the park you could not have put Mm -hmm. somebody else in this film without this kind of acting talent and again i said it before and i'll say it again this film helped me forgive vince vaughn for psycho That's how good it is. Yeah. All right. So later that night, the insoles work to block out the shocking and it doesn't happen. He actually is sitting on his bed waiting for the guards to come for him to take him to be beaten. And because he's not being shocked, he's ready to go. He talks shit, fakes being hurt so the guards get closer, and then deals on the next two guards, makes very short work of them, ends up breaking the shotgun whenever the guy tries to bring it out of the door. And that leads to our next clip. Give me the keys. Run! Get help! He can't get you with those keys on his ass. You will be choked out cold by the time you get back. Dead. It'll be on you. Give me the keys. Quiet. Let him loose. Fuck no. Give me the keys. You can't get out of Red Leaf. Walk those over. You stupid, stupid asshole. You killed him. I know what I did. Get in. Don't feed him. Make it so he has to eat his friend in order to stay alive. One tug will kill you for this. Him or somebody else. Get his gun. Yeah, it's broken. Take his stunner. It's over there. I'm not gonna stun these guys. Can I have it then? I could I could really use it in here. Thanks. Good luck. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the gun. Gun's broken, man. Man, the guy in the other cell <laughs> wants a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he wants Bradley to use the gun. Oh, yeah. Use the gun. Yeah. 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 What are you masturbating in there? Well, you got to figure these guys have been mistreated probably worse than anybody else in yeah. this prison in cell block 99. Yeah. So they're all about watching they, them. Yeah. All fuck they want up. is a revenge on the guards, and that's it. That's all they care about. All right. So yeah. after he gets the keys, Bradley heads to the drugs lord's den, tosses the nightstick at the jail ninja. That's what I have him written up as because this guy's jail ninja? To, yeah, he's, he's a martial artist and uh, jail ninja that's all i could think of because he's super fast and everything penile ninja sure jail ninja <laughs> cell block 99 ninja whatever 
I, he said that. I love where he hits the guy with this nightstick. He throws it like hardcore. It hits the dude in the shoulder, and just like Bradley, he shakes it off like it's nothing. Yep. The guy yeah. just looks at it like, what the fuck was that? That's all who, you got? Who throws a nightstick? <laughs> Honestly. I think it was more or less, he's heralding his arrival by a nightstick thing. <laughs> Your guards aren't going to help you now. You're fucked. Is yeah. basically what the nightstick was there for. And then the final showdown begins. Ooh. I purposely didn't write down every single punch because we would be here for 12 hours. <laughs> Are we going to be here for, <laughs> I mean... Hour 13 of our coverage as Bradley <laughs> dismantles yet another human being. Like, Jail like, Ninja might get, like, out with the, like, the final death here, might get the worst yes. out of everything. Because yeah. he gets fucking dismantled. Like, and what I love about this as well is that it kind of, at this stage, it does remind me once again of kind of 70s exploitation. And a modern movie, what would happen is Vince Vaughn would walk in and everyone would run at him. And he would, you know, he'd be like showing serious skill, taking on like six different guys and all the rest. No, 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 no. Jail Ninja is a supreme fighter. We've seen his work earlier, his super fast fists and all the rest. Drug dealer man's like that. No, this is like, Jail Ninja's got this. Um until Jail Ninja doesn't have it and then at that point he's like right because he gets like dismantled and then he gets put down and remember remember when he put his we saw earlier on the guard put his foot on the back of his head like a kind of dominance thing yeah and he basically says to him you know like you know all you have to do all we have to do here is you stand down let my wife go and nothing bad will happen to this guy here which they're never going to agree to and and court, what, how would you describe what he does to Jail Ninja he stomps onto the back of Jail Ninja's head to get a good firm steel between Jail Ninja's face and the cement and then <laughs> yeah. drags his face across concrete gripping his it, face ripping it off of his fucking skull uh, and then yeah. when you see his face peel off ever so slowly yeah. as it happens down to the chin then he stomps the guy basically driving what's left of the cartilage and anything else in his face up into his brain and killing him and then flips him over then he kicks him to the side on his <laughs> he yeah. kicks him in the fucking shoulder to roll him over to display his footwork Yes. if you will. This is one foot. He dismantles this guy's entire yep. face and stomps him to death <laughs> with one him. foot. He is a more efficient stomping killer than Sergeant Kabuki Man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't he know drags that. his face across concrete and while he's doing it, Craig Zahler's going, dragged across concrete. That might be the name for my next feature film coming 2018. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, one of the oh. things that I wanted to point out too, the fight scenes that are actually happening here in the final showdown where we get the titular brawl in cell block 99 where he takes on the other guys there's a few moments where you actually see vince vaughn missing his punches um the yeah. choreography is not all that great i think the ending here is where they're running out of time and they're running out of money and they're just kind of getting it done i'm going to slightly disagree with you I how think once dare again, you on my show <laughs> <laughs> hey don't you know I think who runs again, town <laughs> i think once again it's like there, there are a couple of things that are levied against this movie in terms of criticism one is the special effects the kind of practical special effects particularly particularly on that guy's face when it's like kind of moved across and crushed um, and the very end shot which we'll get to that right. spot the very second with the drug dealer um, and specifically the choreo choreography in the last part of here and I will disagree in that once again I think is very much playing into 70s exploitation you watch a lot of those movies from certain angles punches don't land and someone like acts as if they have been punched and I think it's a deliberate choice I don't think with a director like this having seen his previous work and seen how methodical things are up until this point that anything you see at the end of this movie isn't deliberately selected by the director. I think it's a st 
stylistic choice. I actually think it's a stylistic choice that whilst, yeah, like if you're binged on modern movies, you watch it and you go, ah, oh, should have been better. Or, oh, that looks like a little mistake. Or we could have maybe edited that out. I think it's all in there deliberately to give it the feel of a kind of early to mid 70s exploitation kind of crime thriller. So for me, it totally works. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. And I'm not saying that it doesn't invoke that in some way, shape or form. What I'm getting at here, Duncan, is I think that what is happening here is it's like that time where you stumble, trip over like an uneven part of the cement. You notice yeah. that people are seeing that. So <laughs> you do a tuck roll real quick and make it look like you meant to do it. Totally meant to. You pull it out where you do the tuck roll perfectly. Then you hop up to your feet and you go, I meant to do that. And then everybody <laughs> applauds. Like one of those moments in your life where something like that, it never happened to me because I'm not that skilled. But yeah, yeah. like we I, both, we would try that and fall flat on our face. Yeah, I think what's going on here, Duncan, is I think we're both right. I think they ran out of time. They ran out of money. I think some of the shots didn't work right. And so they purposely constructed the film from that point going, okay, well, let's make it as realistic as possible to the era that right. we're trying to emulate. Because in that kind of movie, they would run out of time. They would run out of money. Yes. And I believe that they didn't go overboard on the effects. I believe the effects were actually picked the way that they were to emulate that for the practical effects. Oh, where they didn't make yeah, them, yeah, I agree with that 100%. 100%. I agree with you there. But I think what they're saying is, well, since we're running low on time and money, let's just do it as close to that as possible. And it's good enough. Let's move on. It's good enough. Let's move on. I believe he may have been making those deliberate choices, but it also feels to me like it was kind of like, well, this is what we have to do. So let's go with it at the same time. Yeah. Is that is the bonus is, is the bonus of having like making a movie in this sort of genre. Like, is that really that like if anything, if a mistake does happen per se, or if you are run that at the time, you can always chalk it out to, oh, I was paying a mash. An American court and a Scottish Duncan can finally agree on something. Why can't we have peace in the Middle East? This is true. This is true. Shut the fuck up, Duncan. No. <laughs> Religion. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Thing. Duncan and I aren't going to start talking religion. That's why no, we're agreeing yeah, on this. There you go. Although this film could very much be my religion. <laughs> I preached it last night. Art, so. thou, art thou Bradley? Are yeah. you there? Bradley Thomas is the kind of God I can believe in because he gets shit done. <laughs> <laughs> and he died for his own sins and ours. All right. So he kills all the henchmen. He gets a foot stomp on one of the guys. And you actually see his jawbone pop out. Like the top part of his yep. jaw pops Ugh. out, which is amazing on that, that head stomp. All the henchmen are dead and that leads to our next clip it's especially tragic when parents lose a child condolences if you do not hear from me in 10 minutes commence the abortionist if you have not heard from me within the hour dismantle the mother and flush her down the toilet if you want your wife and child to survive better listen to me call them off go back to your cell we have baby's dead you don't have a choice <coughs> you're wrong about that they will not listen to you that's fine everyone's gonna be making noise Call off your guy. Return to yourself. I'll do this the other way. I'll make no such phone call. Tell me your code or it's the other leg. Seven, seven, seven. Howdy. Is this that creep that visited me at the fridge? I want you to hear something. I already heard Eliezer serious. Right now I'm dragging him to a bunch of guys who will fuck him bloody. I don't want to do this, but I will. I think you know by now I can't get mean. Brad. Bradley. Bradley. I will tell them to release your wife. They need to turn her over to Gil so that I can confirm she's okay. Talk correct. Or get right. Plans have changed. 
They're not going to get away with this. Stay put, or I'll break your neck. Warden Tugs. Mr. Thomas, where's Wilson? In my cell, and I have two other hostages. Eleazar and your guy, Jeremy. Try and open that gate, or gas me. I'll murder them both. He'll do it efficiently. Just what do you think you're going to accomplish? I'm waiting for a phone call. One minute after I'm off, I will turn myself over to you. And I swear that to Jesus Christ and heaven above. Wilson? He's not going to answer you. Jeremy? Yeah. You okay? I'm not dead. How soon before this call comes through? Soon. I got time for a cigar. Half of one. Okay, I just have to say the leg break sound is super fucking brutal. The way he's... <laughs> yeah, man, that's fucking... Oh. And Bradley dismantles the guy and he's like, I know you think you're not going to do what I say, yeah. but this will happen. And I love how he's like, he's going to break the other leg if he doesn't get the code. Yeah. And then the code is just 777. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. The code is one, one, two, two, <laughs> three, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, yeah, like four, for- five. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, that's a combination an idiot puts on his luggage. There's a lot of things that have been deliberately done in the story which builds up to this moment here. And this is the moment where he's like, basically he's towed the line. He's done everything he's been asked all the way throughout this movie, right? And look where it's gone. So when this guy's finally like that, listen, your wife and your child, if you don't let me go, um, bad things are going to happen. At the end of the phone call, and he's like that, you're not, like, you no longer have the power in this situation. And I'm going to show you why you no longer have the power in this situation. Because you're the drug boss. You've got these guys that are doing all the punching for you. I'm pretty sure that, you know, if I grab your throat, that's going to scare you. If I break your nose, that's going to... If I snap your leg, <laughs> like I would do a toothpick, um, you know, I just like snap, cracks back over. It's the fact he's not finished with that. You know, like the, the, the there's a reason he drags them by that broken leg. Right, yeah. yeah. That is so fucking yeah, like, brutal, man. Uh, it's so, it's so brutal. And, um, but now but you're yeah, enjoying like, it because fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. He's got to that point where he's like, that. I've done everything. This is the rage like fully taken over, but it's controlled rage. It's funneled through. He's one goal, one way to do it, and he's he's committed so much credit. He knows he's not going to make it out of this, right? So by capitulating to this guy now, there's no guarantees his wife's going to be fine. There's no guarantees his child's going to be fine. There's no guarantee that he isn't going to be basically mutilated and tortured after this. So I've done this far. I'm just, I'm going to take everything from this guy. The power is now no longer with this drug dealer. And he phones up Udo we don't get to hear Udo on the other end which I think is kind of great Yeah. but at the same time we probably because they, I legitimately think this is a budgetary thing I was like that Udo's probably like you had me for a day and that day was like in the prison uh, taking some photos and driving to the end of this movie that is literally your time with Udo Kier which is but all yeah, you really like, need because he has that much presence that he could have basically owned the rest of the movie yeah exactly <laughs> you don't, yeah not too much Udo Kier it becomes Udo Kier's film but he's like just like kicks a guy a couple of times and then yeah he's like I want you to hear something and just continues to kick him which I'm assuming is in the (laughs) hip of the broken leg when he's doing it of course it is of course (laughs) then drags him by the broken leg to a place that he basically says is a a, a cell full of people that will fuck him raw I think it's fuck him raw fuck him bloody bloody. yeah he's like I'm gonna drag him over to some men that are gonna fuck him bloody yeah (laughs) and I love it too when he goes to give him the phone where he's gonna have him talk to Udo Kier he's like talk correct or get raped yeah and you know Oh, the look on Vince Vaughn's face when he says that, you're like, holy shit, Vince Vaughn may even do it himself. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to let these men do that, but they will. Because <laughs> they've been locked up long enough. I'm across from a guy who Vince wants Vaughn. a lot of things. <laughs> we know one thing about Vince Vaughn. A minus penis, which to me means big and gothy. That enter in your rectal passage. Just saying. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't pull out the headline. Listen, not to scare you or nothing, but the guards at my last prison <laughs> labeled me an a minus dick. 
All right, so they cut away from this to the wife is being released, and she's actually dropped off to Gil as the demands were made. And when Udo Kier is backing away with a gun holding on them, Gil reaches down and pulls up the American pastime AR-15. Fuck yeah. Take that, Duncan, with your six fucking <laughs> weeks of vacation. Yeah. Get, and guess what? That's not even his gun. Literally, that's how America is. They are M-16s just laying on the ground. AR-15s. AR-15s. Yeah. Is that it's an, it's an AR-15 bush? They just grow on them. Yes. And pick yeah. them off. Yeah. They literally well, grow good. on trees here. We have trees of AR 15s <laughs> everywhere. Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he pulls that out and then he gets one shot to the chest and then one to the forehead. Udo Kair is dead. Then the car mm -hmm. backs off into like a ditch off to the side of the road. And then as the abortionist tries to scurry away, covered in the other guy's blood, yeah. blinded by the other guy's yeah. blood, the wife, played by Jennifer Carpenter, demands the rifle. And I'll tell you what, she's never been so hot as when she grabs this AR 15. <laughs> Also, in this country, pregnant women kill abortionists. That's how it happens. Yes. Particularly the really religious ones. Yeah. She pops off two shots, puts them both into the guy's head, and then just starts firing off into the ground in front of him just to make sure that he's not moving. In a sense, this whole movie's anti-abortion. It's just... Uh, it's the most pro-life movie ever, featuring faces being dragged across concrete. Yes. All right. So with his wife safe, Bradley gets the call and then talks to his wife for the last time, and then also to his daughter through his wife's stomach and because it's heartbreaking and tragic and the basically drive of everything having to do with Bradley in this film that is our final clip I'd love to say something to her here she is I wish I could be there for you and your mother but uh, I know you'll have good life grow up healthy and smart I just felt her move I don't know what you said thank you for letting me talk to her you're welcome we want to come see you. When can we come see you? Oh, I don't know when to be able to come visit here, but uh, I'll try to figure that stuff out. I gotta go now. Why? Are the guards making you hang up? Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. Call when they let you. Love you. I love you, too. Bye. You ready, Mr. Thomas? I still got that one minute I told you about. All right, with this, he snaps the phone and proceeds to stomp Lazar's fucking head off. And as we heard in the earlier clip, he says he will tear his head off whenever he mm -hmm. is being beaten the first time. And Bradley is a man of his word. He does, in fact, tear his head off. But not only does he tear it off, he's stomping it off using the shithole in his cell <laughs> to decapitate the man by stomping his head off so that the final thing that he sees as he's mentioning this is the fact that he's there stuck in a hole of shit so that he's there, he can smell and taste and feel it until the blood runs onto the head and the head dies. It's amazing. He even says something. He goes, you know, I hear the human head. Yeah, that's loose. he does say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, I certainly hope that that's true. I do too. Oh my god, I really hope that's true. <laughs> when, he's, when he does that, you know, he says, I hope that's yeah, true no, as he stops I'm it off. With him. <laughs> I hope it's true. The guards run in after this happens, and Don Johnson has him turn around, put his hands on his head, and shoots him in the chest and then in the face. We see a whole oh, little yeah, special effect thing where the pop side of the head pops off, and we we roll credits. Oh my god, let's let's just gush a little bit what more. What a great about fucking movie. movie. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's so good. Yeah. For being so violent. Yeah. What this movie does is it takes the style of film that we already talked about, that 70s crime drama or that morality tale kind of thing that you would see, and also the late 70s, early 80s prison films that got really popular yeah. with that kind of brawl. It slams it all together and then goes, now what if somebody like an exploitation filmmaker like Herschel Gordon Lewis took a crack at this and made it <laughs> super fucking bloody on a budget? 
And that's exactly what Brawl on Cell Block 99 is. And then we even throw in really, really good acting on top of it. Oh, it's amazing acting. And the soundtrack is great, which is also, Craig did that too, did he not, Duncan? He he wrote the stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's well, he's a musician. I I believe his background is, um, of all all musical genres, black metal. I think that's where he comes from. I think he's a black metal musician. Uh, But he's very much like Tarantino and uh, even Rodriguez to a certain point of view. He's behind everything in this movie. You know, all the stylistic choices um, are all him. And I think he was behind the, the scoring of the movie. I think it's just a fucking great... I'll tell you what uh, What I love about this guy is this guy has a clear voice in cinema. Even just two movies in, has a clear voice. And that clear voice is that we're going to tell a story. The story by the end is going to get super fucking gnarly. You Like, Matt, when you watch Bone Tomahawk, you will see the parallels and the, the beats, what yeah, it hits, yeah. and specifically towards it. The last 25 minutes of Bone Tomahawk is one of the very few movies I've ever watched where my asshole actually sweat. Um, <laughs> it was that Clip. fucking tense, man. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's very powerful. And the, the way he does it, it's such an easy thing to do, but such a hard thing to do at the same time in that he lets a story breathe. He lets characters breathe. He puts you into a situation and just lets a story flow out. And he will get to the point of the story towards the end, but he's just going to let you spend some time and feel the weight of the world he's put you in, the situation the characters are in, and he'll just let a whole, like, all the scenarios build out and they flow out, and as a result of that, like, there are very few, like, there's very few directors recently, I think, that have been able to put out a movie that has me fully invested with all the characters I see to the point where I'm like, that, right, I definitely want you to die, I really want you to live, right, I really want, it's, it's not, it should be an easy thing to do, but it's not something that's popular. Movies need to be, modern day movies need to be short, they need to be sharp, they need to have witty dialogue, fast paced this and all the rest. We don't spend too much time developing our characters because that's not what modern audiences want, apparently. Um, <laughs> and what's, what Zala's doing is basically saying, listen, I grew up watching you know movies in the 70s and 80s and very much like, once again, come back to Tarantino, which is not a fair comparison at all, but um, back to, to, to people like Tarantino, is I'm going to I'm gonna show my influences on my sleeve. So when you watch something like Bone Tomahawk, you get those um, you get those Western movies from the, the, the kind of 60s, early 70s, and then you get the cannibalism movies of the 70s and 80s. And that's what it meshes together. And this movie, it's exactly what Court says. He wears his influence. He's totally on his sleeves here. Um, and I, he does it really, really well. He does it really well without... It's not even homage because there's no specific scene in here which feels like another movie I've seen before, no. but it feels genuinely authentic to the time period, yeah. which I don't know how he does it. I really don't know how, because in theory, this movie shouldn't work. He's got Nothing. Vince Vaughn in it for Nothing a start. Nothing about it Nothing should, should work. work. Nothing. <laughs> and it worked perfectly. It, it blows my mind how great this movie is. And even for the, sm- the small, tiny little issues this movie has, there's no way that, to me, this doesn't feel like a perfect genre movie. The Fucking thing, incredible. I expect big things from this director. I actually think that all of the promise that people throw on Tarantino and all the things that people seem to want to believe about Tarantino is true is in yeah. this man. I don't see that in Tarantino. Tarantino is 100% a movie DJ. He makes references. He makes little hints and nods to 
things that have already existed. Whereas what this director does, he takes those things that he loves and he emulates them almost yeah. perfectly. But he also synthesizes all of these different things down into this emulation to where you get the references that he's making, but it's not dependent upon the references. It's not this member berries thing that Tarantino has done his entire career. You get yeah. the feeling uh, like if, if you didn't know who the fuck these actors were, if you didn't know Vince Vaughn, if you didn't know all these people that are modern day, I could play you this movie and say, dude, this is from 1975. It's so far ahead of its time. Look at this. And I guarantee you yeah. someone would be like, holy fuck, this was incredible. What a great 70s movie. The only problem would be yeah. is how clean the shots are. It, it would have to have some grimy film or something. Not necessarily. If the stuff is restored properly, you will actually see films that are made this well. Oh. That yeah, actually as, look as, this as, good. As, like, to the, the, the Tarantino thing, which I, I won't disagree with. I'm a big Tarantino fan. I think it's very difficult like to be I'd like the DJ comparison uses great great reference very difficult to be a great DJ like to, to get that balance of things right like by referencing so much and make it linear and make it flow and Tarantino is like a, a top level with that um, and yeah he, like he's maybe he's maybe fallen into doing a bit more of that recently but I think if you watch a movie like Jackie Brown it's undeniably it's, in my opinion it's undeniably his best movie I but agree. it's also his most un-Tarantino movie exactly at the, at the same at the same reason but what I think like you're talking about like even like his selection of actors and you know had you not known them and things like that he is once again a Tarantino comparison he is and it's like purely from love that I compare him that way uh, he is acquiring people as well as he goes along through projects so his next movie Dragged Across Concrete will feature Vince Vaughn um, will feature Jennifer Carpenter does have Don Johnson does have Udo Kier you know so these these actors are moving on to following projects with him I believe because they are genuinely excited to be working with his director. I only hear great things. Vaughn spoke so highly in interviews about his time doing Brawl and Cell Block 99, almost to the point where he's like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this guy, he's never said these words, but you can read between the lines. This guy is the guy that's going to legitimize my career. You know, this is the guy that's <laughs> going to make people think about Vince Vaughn in a separate way. When you look at the rest of the cast for his next movie, he's getting bigger. The main two characters in his next movie are going to be Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Wow. As a combination of police officers who are dirty cops that are going to you know get something's going to happen that they're going to be busted off the force so they're going to try and rob criminals <laughs> yeah I'm so you know excited I mean? for that I can't wait Duncan yeah it's going to be it's going to be great and once again I am totally with him I'm going to carry on with this guy he is such an exciting and such a needed voice in the genre I think there have been pretenders to the throne um, already that we've seen that have started like if you watch like Ty West has been so soured by making horror movies he's kind of not doing it anymore but if you watch something like The Innkeepers or specifically House of the Devil all those aesthetics that we're talking about are there when I'm like that this guy's got it this guy's going to be the next big thing and then he does a movie like Sacrament yeah. and it, people people sour on him I think Zala's the real deal I genuinely think it's because this guy not only wears his influences on his sleeve I think he embodies his influences and I think that's that's what makes him so exciting that when you watch his movies you, you're going to be this movie does not feel like it's two hours and what 10 minutes long doesn't feel like it but it, is, it flows that is that is so difficult to do yeah. um, and it is above all else not only is it entertaining it's gripping you feel like there are moments in this movie where you actually feel like Vince Vaughn might not make it to the next cell or something really bad's about to happen to him that doesn't quite happen um, and it's violent as fuck I mean this movie is really there's only five fight scenes in this movie every single one of them is memorable and you feel the pain of every single one of them so difficult to do it's shot beautifully soundtrack's amazing like 
I, I can't lavish enough praise on it. It is a phenomenal fucking movie. Yes, absolutely. Oh. I actually like the comparison where you were talking about Jackie Brown, and that is yeah. the most non-Tarantino film, and it is actually my favorite Tarantino film. I love Jackie Brown. Yeah. I would say that you could play Jackie Brown and Brawl in Cell Block 99 back-to-back and have a double feature that would have perfect emulation of what it's like in that era of that yeah. type of crime drama filmmaking. You very easily could have been at a drive-in in the 70s and seen two movies just like that back-to-back. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I oh, I can't wait for more of what Dollar's going to do. I really can't. I really just chomping at the bit to know what's going to happen with Dragged Across Concrete. And I would love to see him actually team up with Rodriguez in some way, shape, or form and get Rodriguez working on his stuff and you know, yeah. you know helping him along the way because I kind of feel more of a Rodriguez from this guy myself than I do with Tarantino because Rodriguez also wears those influences on his sleeves but also emulates the things and makes it his own and it may have something to do with the Don Johnson because you know Don Johnson and Machete is one of the best characters Don Johnson has ever played (laughs) and I feel like the guy from Machete maybe even went ahead and became the prison wardener prison warden there after like all the stuff that happened at the border he's like well the border's fucked I'm just gonna go torture prisoners up somewhere in upstate New York (laughs) man Crockett really fell on hard times something yeah all right if, if we don't cut it off we're just going to gush forever about this movie. yeah it, it, in hour what? five about how what? amazing we think brawl and cell block 99 is welcome to day six of the <laughs> coverage of brawl and cell block 99 we're going to take one last break we're going to play a promo for one more podcast and have a little bit of music here when we come back we will close out the show bad movies the world is full of them from low budget crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is rick morgan from the helming power hour and we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate.
God damn, I'm so glad I bought this soundtrack. Oh my God, yeah. that's such a good song. I splurged on it. After I got done with the movie, we I went and found it on. the show and just play the song? Yeah, I absolutely will fucking <laughs> listen to nothing but this music. That's just fucking, that's a good lazy Saturday music, man. Actually, when we got prepped to do this for the show and then like, I knew that it was coming up again, I started listening to the soundtrack at least once a day. Like, right. just to get me stoked for it because like the music even has a greater feel. And there's a lot of religious connotations and like Jesus shit in some of the songs. There's like one mm-hmm. part where the chorus is like, thank you, Lord, for making this beautiful world and everything. I don't even care. My militant atheism just goes out the window and I'm like, fuck yeah, this music grooves, dude. Well, I mean, he, uh, Bradley's obviously a Christian. I don't think you tattoo the crucifix on the back of your head and not be one. Yeah, but yeah. he's the kind of Christian I can get behind. Uh, well, I, oh, tr- trust me, I know you can get behind. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get behind that. Uh, who are you kidding? You'd power bottom for Bradley any day. You do whatever Bradley wants. That's how that works. Speaking of power bottoms, hey, Duncan, what's going on with your show? I would just say just now, excellent segue. Excellent segue. Excellent and accurate. Um, totally, totally accurate. I'm um, so moving to Scotland. <laughs> Poor Bev. I've had an absolute blast. I always feel, I always feel when I come on this show that there's, you know, the, the time, the timer is always ticking in the background for me. Uh, I think this is my third time on and all three times I've had something that's happening right after which it sucks because I enjoy doing I enjoy doing these so what we'll do is the next time I'm on I will fully commit to making sure that if any plans are happening any side of the recording they're just not happening anymore but you guys are <laughs> honestly, yeah. so I promise. but honestly I, I could not be happier to have had my first chance to talk about this movie on this show um, specifically because you guys love it clearly as much as I do it's a phenomenal movie and yeah soundtrack everything about it is just great and I can't recommend it enough um, it's been a pleasure as always uh, coming across to the Cinema Psyops genuinely one of the best podcasts out there Oh man my freaking hashtag man crush is talking smooth about my show yeah I got something in the spank bank <laughs> now and power bottom for you right I mean holy Jesus I'm so moving to Scotland Duncan <laughs> prepare your chocolate starfish for my chunky dick snot <laughs> Stole that from Troma. I love that line. Loosen up that colon, buddy. (laughs) Word's coming for it. All right. While we're preparing the chocolate starfish for Chunky Dick Snot. Okay, so we're moving away from Legion Podcast to make room for everybody else. So where are they going to find your show whenever that happens? Because that's happening at the end of the month right now when this is actually being released. Yeah, um, so my my show's like, essentially I've been with, without going too much into detail, um, I've been with Legion since the start, since before it was Legion. And um, primarily it was used as a mechanism to kind of promote what I was doing back then off the back of bigger shows so like shows like Devour the Podcast had been out for at least a year two years before I started that so it was to kind of it was a, a chance to upscale like my show basically by kind of riding on the coattails and I've done that for, for a while and obviously continued doing that and you guys and shows like Hail Ming and Short Bus Cinema and all that are basically you're, you're at that stage now that you guys are ready to take you're, you're ready to continue hauling the, the Legion to, to the masses and bringing up a lot of your own shows so it makes perfect sense for me to kind of at this point like bow my head and and move move back into the obscurity that i was in before um, <laughs> if you follow if you follow podcasts under the stairs uh, as its own um on itunes nothing changes there at all if you subscribe through legion then instead of you know following the the legion tab for podcasts under the stairs just type it in itunes or stitcher or whatever you'll find us there facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputscast um or go to teaputscast.com 
and you will still find me there and I will still be worshipping the shows of Legion just from, from afar when I think about it now when I think what Legion was like when I started on it to what Legion is like now which really is like a behemoth of a, of a network with shows my proudest moments are the fact that I got kind of indirectly indirectly the Hail Ming Power Hour uh, Cinema PsyOps and uh, the Witch versus the Doomsday Clock all on that network so um, three of what I think are just the best podcasts out there uh, doing well. so I like my interview um, my work here is done uh, I think I think I've set things up quite nice uh, and Bo is phenomenal Bo's like yes. the greatest show plus I, I'm still going to be on a Legion show Duncan and Bo come correct is, yeah. is still trundling on and I'll be on that show Duncan so. you've made all of our nuts smile today <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole lot of power uh, but yeah so yeah, no, that's where you can check it out like I said before I can't thank you enough can't wait to come back on I think Jallo's the next one and we'll keep it secret from there on yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's that's my sweet spot so you're going to hear a lot more Giddy Duncan on the next recording <laughs> yeah and you're always welcome back and you are instrumental in getting this show onto Legion Podcast Network and as immediately as we got in the home where we're with all the other podcasts we took a shit right there in the middle of the floor and fucked everything up. Could, we, it could be prouder. Could we, be prouder of garbage. That is people. what this show did to yeah. Legion. We walked we, into your house and shit on the floor. We, we also started picking fights with other podcasts that were already established. We could not be. That's basically your inner Scott. Yeah. We put our Scott dick in the mashed potatoes. Yeah. It was a brawl in Legion podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> we are the Bradley yeah. of the situation. Oh, we're nowhere near that tough. No, no we're not. <laughs> All right, folks, you know where to find us. We are proud members of Legion Podcasts. So, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops we have a facebook group cinema psyops where you can join in and post all sorts of things having to do with the show or just weird twisted stuff your alternative photography all the kind of things that we talk about on this show it's all open we're not you, that picky brilliant demented box <laughs> you can find me on facebook as court psyops you can find matt on facebook as matt psyop you can email feedback to matt psyopmatt at gmail.com tell him that you will never let his nuts smile again oh. <laughs> but no one does it everyone want to see the braces no no one wants to see that. Uh-oh. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him to fuck off for talking trash about Quentin Tarantino because you love him. <laughs> and, his fo- and his feet. Yeah. That's a thing, yeah, right? And his foot fetishy yeah, thing. Foot, yeah, that's yeah. not even alleged. That's, that's like, thing. just that's... watch his movies and yeah, you know. That's a thing. It's yeah. totally a thing. It's a thing. You can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats about your foot fetish. I am oh, at court oh, underscore oh, psyop oh, oh. and Matt is at psyop Matt. This is a serious thing. With our listeners, we can get a lot of things coming. Yeah, well, Legion After Dark, there's your new podcast. Yeah, there you go, folks. Listen out for Legion After Dark. No matter what your kink is, she'll accept you there. But we accept you here because this is a safe space for perverts. All right, folks, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode. Kick the fuck out of your holidays and make them your bitch. I'm looking for a day tonight.
How much time do we have you for? Because I'm good to go. I just want to make sure we get everything in. You have me for two hours. Okay. Uh, and then I have to get dinner. And then I'm recording with uh, Mr. Ricky Morgan. Being two hours should be enough, though. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Always happens with me, isn't it? Like, generally, I, I had nothing else planned. And Ricky was supposed to be recording tomorrow. But apparently, it's Mother's Day. Yes. And the yeah. state's tomorrow. So he's now been roped into taking his mother-in-law out for a meal or something tomorrow. Right. So as a result, he's shunted it back to today. And the best I could do, he's also taking his mum out today for Mother's Day. So the best I could get him was 7pm my time. So, so you uh, see, yeah. the Scots don't care about their mothers. No, they have a Mother's no, Day. Ours happened earlier in the year. Yeah. Ours, ours is in March. They're such mama's uh, boys, they make it happen earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can't wait as long yeah. as we do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They had a miscarriage, you know. We're not there yet. That. Okay. We're not there yet. Well, I'm just saying though, because he was talking about the wife, the yeah. distant wife. Well, he did a good job of talking around it. That's why yeah. Duncan's a pro, and you suck at this. Awesome. <laughs> All right. How do I show up here? Oh, again? <laughs> no. I've been trying to get you to quit for like ages, like since the show started. <laughs> why are we doing this? Why are we friends? I know why I'm doing this, but I don't know why we're friends. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> Goes for cheating bitch and he's putting brackets underneath it. All women are good for is making sandwiches and riding. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> God damn. Uh, then, then he scored that out and he was like that. That's angry court would say that. And I'm not angry court. I'm positive court that's doing a show which everyone should listen to, including women who are outnumbering us on this planet. Well, let's keep that demographic in. Bad court, bad court. <laughs> is, is Duncan your inner monologue? Because I kind of feel like Duncan's your inner monologue. We, we kind of share a brain, but yeah. I wouldn't have wrote anything about sandwiches because that's not how I work. No. No. <laughs> he would have said spaghetti. What are you crazy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was Italian bright night. I've never seen a man be more happy to be a father in my life than what Bradley is. I mean, because yeah. typically the rest of us didn't plan on it and it was kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan over there. And some of us some of us may or may not have paid a skinhead a hundred bucks to hit the girl in the belly with a fucking axe handle. Holy Jesus Christ. What, that's not how you abort a baby? My comments about sandwiches and riding don't seem that bad now, do they? Honestly, honestly not. Obviously, that's not how you abort a baby. You call an Asian man. All right? Yeah. You make sure he's medically trained. North Korean. A North Korean. Yeah. Yeah. North yeah. Korean's Asian. But it's really, it's really strange. I sent you out for, for some milk and some eggs and you've come back with a bag of coat hangers. <laughs> yes, brass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why, why are you sharpening the coat hangers? Nothing in particular, dear. And also, some of us have mastered pulling out, so. <laughs> that is the oh. most effective method of birth control. I will hear nothing else but pulling out. <laughs> How very Catholic of you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> And leaving the rest of the baby intact. Yeah. That's and horrific. Had which plays into Matt's stereotype earlier on, which is. <laughs> Matt's stereotype? Um, what the fuck? You said earlier on that if you wanted to get rid of a baby, you would employ an Asian man. Uh, That's what you said. Actually, Those Matt was referencing words. the film itself. Yeah. Like, he wasn't being stereotypical. I think, I think he was an executive consultant on hey, self. Listen. <laughs> I, I get stereotypicals when I talk about Scotsmen, you fucking Scot. <laughs> I, th I think they approached him and said, what we have written here is Russian man. And Matt was like that. You could go down the Russian angle, but that's been overplayed in America just now. I'm thinking Asian. Are all Scotsmen's uh, engineers so named Scotty? Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Can we stop arguing and do the rest of the movie? I'm trying and fucking this guy over here. I will separate the two of you. 
Oh, Duncan oh. in that corner. Matt, this corner right we're, now. We're pretty far separate, man. There is an ocean in between us. It's not enough. Duncan, get to your corner. Matt, get to yours. Uh, now put on the dunce hats, you two, and let's finish this fucking show. Uh, is it Dair? Craig Zaire? Is that how it's pronounced? I don't, I don't know. I know. Uh, Zaller, I think. Zaller. It's Craig Zaller. Yeah, but I'm Scottish, so don't trust me. Yeah. And you're also not very good with name pronunciation. You're infamous Terrible for that. Terrible so. name. Yeah. Terrible I'm going to go with whatever you say, because obviously I don't know the fucking guy's name, let alone how to pronounce it. nothing that I won't masturbate to on the internet. <laughs> Entering your rectal passage. My asshole actually sweat. <laughs> <laughs>